Welcome to Colin. What's going on, honey buns? What is going on? All right, so I'm going to go ahead and just make sure I uh, tweet this out really quick. Let me just share. I'm sure there's lots to discuss. <laughs> um, there we go. All right, I tweeted it out. And we're back up in this piece. Welcome to Savvy Savvy's podcast on call-in. This is episode 132. Hillary confronted, Ilhan versus Richie, Chappelle, and more. A lot has happened this week, so look forward to hearing from you guys. I'll go ahead and get started. No delay. Let's go ahead and bring in Brady. Wow, Brady, you're first. What's up, Brady? Let me go ahead and um, take my Bluetooth off for one. I know it's rare. I'm usually going to a open mic. Oh, my bad. Yeah. I'll wait. Go ahead. Sorry. What were you saying? <laughs> yeah. I usually do an open mic on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So that's why I'm usually all in late and battery drained and all that jazz. But uh, I'm, I'm going to do this first tonight. And uh, I, I want to say that I saw the episode with Davi in it. And I heard a lot of people calling him the Black Brady. And I want to say thank you and fuck you at the same time because I love and hate some of the things that guy's doing. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> what what do you mean no. well, well i love the guy i think he's amazing it was a great interview and um you know i love a lot of the things the guy's doing but there's the obvious kind of like um kind of unseriousness that you highlighted so well <laughs> which oh. is why i left the green party which is actually the reason you know guys like him were the reason that i left the green party and started my own party i said this is nonsense you know no one's here serious and that's why I did my own thing. And so we got a meeting next Thursday. I'm going to invite Case um, to hopefully join in with the mutual aid party. And we're essentially trying to create like our own crowdsourced call-in website, you know, stuff like that. And so we're trying to get some stuff going in together to make some, something happen. And uh, but I want to say that uh, I think uh, Wayne Brady is still the, the Black Brady. I think that Wayne Brady is the, the closest thing to Black Brady so far still. Wayne Brady? Yeah, yeah. Brady, do you remember the um I don't know if you're old enough to remember. Do you remember the skit from Chappelle show when it was Dave Chappelle and Wayne Brady and Wayne Brady said, Is Wayne Brady gonna have to choke a bitch? Do you remember that? Yes, people tell me all the time. People come up to me and tell me that all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's brilliant. He's a brilliant artist. He's a brilliant comedian. So yeah, I I I relate more to him. <laughs> but so um, you so you've been working with Case. Well, Case has been working on the mutual aid project, and we're essentially me and the the, the guy from democracyforum.org and uh, another guy from the People's Percentage are trying to get together and essentially build. He has built a website that's uh, relatively functional that essentially does exactly or more or less what uh, Case is talking about doing with his website. And so I'm trying to get him to, you know, meet this guy that I'm working with from democracyforum.org and see if they can work together, help each other out, um, get things up and going, because I have tickets I can make right now, and I have tickets I can knock out right now, you know. Um, we, we, we could be doing it right now if we had it up and going. So we got a meeting about that next Thursday here on call-in. Everyone's invited. It's around noon. And um, 
uh, I just wanted to say that we were having a conversation. I'll, I'll pass the joint real quick after this. Just uh, we were having a conversation about freeing Palestine and talking about how they don't really have much of an option to even get out of there if they wanted to leave, you know, and how they don't have you know access to passports or ways to get there. So we were just like kind of wondering, like, what kind of solutions are there to just like rescue people who need to just get out of there right now whether whether they're israeli whether they're palestinian i feel like people are being used for excuses you know innocent people are being put in the crossfire and i would like to just see them at least have an option to just be like hey if y'all want to get out of here while these guys figure it i mean i'm I'm trying to put myself in in the position of a palestinian and i was thinking man like if if i was in that position i would want someone to just come and be like let's get out of here dude we're gonna take you somewhere with clean water and medical care we need some food we're gonna we're gonna figure it out but we'll let them figure it out over here while you figure it out over here you know that's what i was thinking so i'm just kind of wondering what kind of solutions actually exist like that for people in palestine or or even israel you know or or whatever you want I think the biggest question that people had in reference to that is where would they go, right? Because Egypt said no, that they can't come there because they know that the the Israeli government wants the Palestinians out anyway. And, and this is another thing that we need to think about. Let's say Egypt did not have that position. Let's say Egypt did say, okay, we're opening up our borders. You can come in here. Then the question would be, are they going to be allowed to return to Gaza? Would they be allowed to return back home? Because that's that's another thing, like with the Palestinian people, even um, Palestinians here, remember, they don't have that right to return. So if you're a Palestinian and you were born in Jerusalem, you don't have the right to return to Jerusalem. And if you're Israeli, you do. So I, I think... Um, this this is a big question is to like, you know, someone would have to be willing to take them in. And I think right now, again, when we think about the other countries that are closer to them, they're not willing to do it because number one is uh, Egypt already said, like, we can't take in two million people. So there's that. But then also, again, they know what the Israeli that's what the Israeli country wants. They want them gone. So they don't want to do the bidding of that as well. So where would they go? Um, and then there have been American politicians that said they don't want them to come here, but they were perfectly fine with Ukrainians coming here. So again, that just goes to show you guys, like they only want certain people here. Even in this country, they only want certain people here. And I don't know what happened to Brady, but maybe he was finished there. Yeah. Uh, what's up, Eric? Go ahead. Thank you. Thank you. Push, push them all south into Egypt. You know, they did that whole thing where they said, like, if you're basically in the north to, to evacuate. So I think, it, I think it's a big land grab. And they'll basically mm-hmm. try to, like, start from the north. And then and then they'll be like, oh, well, there's no Palestinians here anymore. And, and just move, keep moving the border down. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. But that's the other thing, too. Like, they can't make Egypt... They can't make Egypt take them in. That's the other thing too. So it's just like, again, like when people say they need to leave, okay, leave and go where? Because cause yeah, they're, I mean, they're, they're stuck. Yeah, I mean, this really needs to be about giving the Palestinians justice and, and resourcing them and, you know, regardless of, of where they are. 
you know, in, in that hasn't been happening, the opposite's been happening. I mean, this, this whole thing is, is about resources, right? And wealth and the land is a resource and, and the Israeli government and the settlers have just been encroaching and encroaching. And it's just, it, 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 it I, it, I think it, it's like it reached this point where they, they can't encroach on them anymore without, without this happening. Yeah. Like, I, I think so too. And I, I think that like, when we talk about like, this is why I say it's a genocide because when the state of Israel tells them that you need to leave and they know there's nowhere that they can go, that they can't just leave. Plus Israel controls the air too, by the way. So it's not like they can just hop on a plane and get out of there. And the sea. And the sea. So they essentially are trapping those people and basically like, oh, well, you're just going to die. That That's basically what's happening. I mean, I, I think we should like try to imagine like if we had a different government, like, like right now our government is totally um, bought and corrupt and, and just on the wrong side of, of this and so many other things. You know, I, I do think like we do sometimes need to, to try to have this exercise of imagining a world where it was the opposite, where you had a Cornell West figure or something, someone like that in the Oval Office and running the government. And then the pressure that would come from the U.S. government would flip. And instead of being everything about, oh, Israel has more money, has more more weapons, you know, do weapons contracts and being all about that evil shit. Imagine if we had a, a U.S. government in the West that was pushing Israel to say, well, you got to figure this out. You know, no more military aid, no more weapons. And your your the other aid is going to be scaled scaled down unless you actually start giving the Palestinians justice and resources and a real place to live, this whole thing would, would flip on its head. So I, I would flip on its head. So I think sometimes we, we, we need to at least try and visualize, you know, that, that better world and, and how it could be better. Now my bird cock's going off. Can you hear my bird cock? I can. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well said there, Eric. Let's bring in Miss Delthea. Miss Delthea, it's been a minute. What's going on? Can you hear me now? I can hear you. All right. Oh, my God. There's so much to talk about. But I don't have a whole lot of time, so I'm going to try to make this brief. Um, with Israel and Palestine, anybody who does not see this as the masses and the slaves and the big house trying to control the quarter is not paying attention, period, in the discussion. You're just not paying attention. Um, what's happening in Palestine right now is genocide before our very eyes. And what they can't kill, they'll kill the spirit. This country, the United States, is on the wrong side. And... You know, it's it's going to take more than just voting to change it. I don't want to go yeah. into specifics about what that other thing is, but it's going to take more than just voting to change what's going on there. Um, number two, um, you can't cancel anybody. And this whole cancel culture thing is just an excuse for legacy and social media to um, censor people, which is why social media should be either a highly regulated utility or just out-and-out out nationalized. 
Um, I agree. I agree. And there you go. And two days ago was my grandma's birthday. And had she, if she were alive today, she would be, I kid you not, 124 years old. So I want to say happy birthday to Cora Lee Taylor Carnegie Nixon, wherever you are. Oh, Delthea, that's so sweet. Oh my gosh. Um, wow. Yeah, I think that I think that one of the things that's pretty much apparent is the fact that um I think we've all kind of seen, I think a lot of us on this call, we're seeing this for what this really is, right? And I gotta tell you, like the protests just continue to grow and grow. Like it's mm-hmm. They're not decreasing. They're expanding. Um, the second protest I went to was larger than the first one. Like, and I got to say, you know, this country, it's not on the right side of history right now. And the only reason I feel like in mainstream media, they're even starting to talk about what's happening to the Palestinian people is because of all the protests across the world. Mm-hmm. Just like with George Floyd, right? Right, right. And, and and what's happened, well, this is what I find interesting about the, well, I find a whole lot of stuff interesting, but this particular, this whole thing of like when they were saying that the, the babies were beheaded, remember that lie when it came out? That mm-hmm. They were beheading the babies and then it came out, well, actually, no, no babies were beheaded. Or they showed a picture, oh, look at what the Palestinians are doing to the people and it turned out it was the Israelis doing it to the people. Each time these things come out, Israel loses that much more credibility. And I think that and I think their own their own lies being brought to light is what's making these protests grow. I because think so lot, too. I think a lot of people want to be on the side of the Israelis for the same reason that we have Israel, which was the Holocaust. Let's just be real. Um, if there had been no Holocaust, there would be no Israel. Yep. This is true. Um, and, but you still have to ask yourself the question, and, uh, you know, if, okay, the whole thing is people say, well, Israel needs to be there because that's what it says in the Bible, because they were there first. Okay. If you really believe that, then all, then most of the people here on the North American continent need to be packing up right now. Right. Because like, honestly, and I've said this before, but if indigenous people of this country one day rose up and said, that's it, we're trying to take our land back, whatever. Honestly, I can't be mad at them. No. No. And quite frankly, they have a bit, they, the indigenous people here, the indigenous people in Australia, across the world, have a better claim on the land than the Israelites, well, the Israelis do on Israel. Mm-hmm. If you think about it, they have a better claim, but nobody's running around saying we got to kick out the Europeans and send them back to Europe. No, of course not. Because they're the, I hate to phrase it this way, but they're considered to be the right kind of people, if you know what I mean. <laughs> oh, yeah, that, yeah, you know, it, it would not be white of them to leave. No, I mean, it's it's the same. It's similar to the fact that they were so willing to say, well, Ukrainians can come here to the United States. Um, mm-hmm. 
But when you change the country and the religion, it's not the same reception for a different group. And what I find particularly interesting about that is that the Ukrainians, there's a lot of Nazis in the Ukraine. But see, they okay with them though. See, this, this is like the hypocrisy of our government. They okay with the Nazis and the Azov Battalion. And at the same time, they're okay with the Israeli state government. Now, how are you going to be supporting Nazis and supporting... And exactly. <laughs> I know, you want, I know. You want to hear, hear a funny story? So years ago, we were looking like there there are people in my extended family with Ukrainian like heritage. And so they were looking up this uh, Ukrainian folk dancing on YouTube and they were finding these videos or whatnot. And it was, you know, the cute Ukrainian folk dancing and whatnot. And then, and then like we, we looked a little harder at like what the videos were from in, in the groups and like all the stuff was like connected to these white supremacist groups. Like, you know, that's white supremacists, right? We're like, well, we were just looking at the folk dancing. <laughs> There was, it was there like was, right there, man. It's yeah, was, it's bad. There was a former, um, a former student of mine who reached out privately. I'm not going to say their name because they don't want to, you know, be recognized. But um, that reached out to me privately, uh, who is actually Ukrainian, and he said that the Nazification in Ukraine is actually it is an issue. That he said it's way worse than a lot of people realize, especially if you've mm -hmm. never been there. This is what what he said. Cause he had saw like, you know, every now and then he sees my show and he saw like one of the shows we were talking about that. And he said the Nazification in Ukraine is actually way worse than people that Americans realize. It's not, he said, it's not just the Azov Battalion. It's actually enriched throughout the country. So, and that was really interesting to hear from him. Now he said, he still doesn't think Russia was right to invade. But he mm -hmm. said that this idea that Ukraine is completely innocent here and, you know, hasn't done anything wrong and that there isn't Nazification there. He said that's an absolute lie. You can, I mean, you can see it. Just like Eric just said, I mean, you can go on, you can go on the internet and find all kinds of things showing you that these people are Nazis. Yep. I'm not not made up stuff, real stuff that they're Nazis. Used to be a regular. Now I'm not saying every Ukrainian is a Nazi. I'm just saying there are a lot of Nazis. It used to be a regular news story: the Nazi problem in Ukraine. <laughs> See yeah. what I'm saying? That, that, mm. but, we, yeah. but now we. But now yeah. we, we, we. Go ahead. I was just gonna say, and the thing is, too, people gotta understand is people say, "Well, you lived in Germany." Yes, but when you got to understand, I lived in Germany like way after the Nazi party and all that kind of stuff is a very different place. Now, I don't make everything about Germany right. Germany has their issues too, mm -hmm. but the difference is, is that that is a different part of Europe. And what I will tell you guys in reference to Europe, once you move closer away, once you, the further you get away from like the Western part of Europe, and you move mm -hmm. to the eastern part of Europe, you see not just a change in the demographics, but a change in uh, the, the culture and the rhetoric, and especially when it comes to race. 
So when mm-hmm. you go to like, it, there's a difference if you're an American and you're going to visit Germany, France, Italy, like that kind of thing. Not to say there's not racial issues there. There's racial issues everywhere. Oh, yeah. But it's a totally different culture in those countries versus when you go to some of these countries, like you go further east to like Ukraine and um, what's another one over there? That's uh, Georgia, Georgia, the country, mm-hmm. like Ukraine mm-hmm. and, and even Russia. Like, to be honest with you, that's a different. So, like, for example, when you talk about um, LGBTQ rights, that's not tolerated in those countries. Whereas, like, in those Eastern European countries, Uh LGBTQ rights are not tolerated there. Whereas in countries like Germany and France and, and Spain and Italy, like they're more open to those kind of things. But as you move further east in Europe, you'll see the difference. It moves to the right. Right. You know, just like when you're looking at a map, you know, the, the countries are moving to the right on the map. They are also moving to the right politically. That's right. I think that they mirror each other. You know, aspect to this as whether how kind of modern countries are and so you know when when a society culturally evolves to where you have some semblance of real democracy and, and a middle class and technology standard of living and whatnot i think these attitudes also evolve in culturally and when you have these countries that that haven't done that which do exist in the world you know, they you see these backward a- attitudes. That, that, that's kind of how I would think of it. Yeah, and another thing I want to mention too, like for example, um, I know um, Nick said in the chat they have gay clubs and stuff in Russia, right? But having a gay club and people being tolerant of it are two different things. Correct. And you'll you'll notice that, like so, like for example, uh, same sex couple, um, you know, relationships in Russia is legal. But most most of the population there don't approve of it. It's mm-hmm. different than what you'll see if, like, you're in Germany, for example, or you're in, especially France. Like, if you're in those countries, it's different. So, same thing, like, with um, Ukraine and another one, uh, Moldova. Moldova mm-hmm. is another country that I feel a lot of people don't really pay attention to, just like people didn't pay attention to Ukraine until this war broke out. But Moldova is one of the most corrupt countries in Europe for people who are not aware, and they are very conservative. Every time I I think of Moldova, I always think of Dr. Doom. In the Marvel comic book. Latveria. Yeah, he was was ruler of Latveria. I know, but Moldova, the two just, they, they stuck in my mind. Roger, they're stuck in my mind together. I heard those Nordic countries love having babies with, with black people. Is that true? <laughs> what? <laughs> so you're, you're talking about like Norway yep. and Finland, those yep. countries? Yep. Um, I, I don't know if I can say that for everybody. Um <laughs> <laughs> So, Rod, are you hoping? (laughs) 
think he well, went because he had a call. Go ahead, Deltia. Well, um, I know they love Black Pete at Christmas. Um, I, <laughs> I just, <laughs> I'm just saying. Uh, I one more thing that I was gonna say is that um, I really want to thank you for your show, Sabby. I don't think that sometimes you may not get that enough. And I know that sometimes it's really hard to deal with people, but I want you to know that a lot of people out here who are not a loud mouth like me, they're not going to say it, but they appreciate you too. Uh, and with oh, that, I'm going to let you go. Y'all have a good night. That oh, is right. Thank you, Delphine. Keep, like I said, stay low, keep firing. All right. Thank, thank you so much. We'll bring in Scotty. Okay, Scotty, you are on the mic. What's up? What's on your mind? Greetings. Oh, I can't hear you. I'm not sure if you have on a headset or a Bluetooth or not. Um, Scotty, this happens sometimes. I'm just going to invite you to speak, okay? Mm, little bugaboo audio issues. It happens sometimes, yeah. Well, we had quite a time on Sunday, huh? Man, the way that crowd just kept growing and growing. Yeah, guys, I have to say, like, the march on Sunday was freaking huge. Like, it's funny because, like, when we were walking, like, we were barely moving, right, Eric? Hello? <laughs> Scotty! There he is. Okay, yeah. Uh, I don't know what happened there. It, I, I had to re refresh it, but um, yeah, I wanted to say uh, I wanted to uh, get uh, talk about um, Julian Assange. Uh, what happened with WikiLeaks ten years ago and how it relates to like censorship and um, uh, what's going on now with Israel and Palestine. But sure, um, Scotty. One second, you're. I'm sorry, one second. Your volume is really low. Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, before I do that, I want to say um, I feel uh, sorry about uh, what happened with you guys, like in Blackfire Media. Like, I'm pretty sure that um, you guys probably saw them as political elders, and it probably was painful for you to come to that conclusion of. Having to, having to uh, express yourself uh, in that way on Saturday, but understandable. I saw Danny Haifong in the uh, chat, and Danny Haifong was like, yeah, well, Jared has said things about me. And I was sitting there thinking, like, so you went on with these people after you told Fred Hampton Jr. about them using the name, and you still went on their show, like, that's pretty, that's pretty shady. I'll, I'll, that's pretty messed up. But sorry you guys went through oh. that. Um, but keep, yeah, keep moving forward. Um, did you hear me? Yeah, I got some, I have something to play, something I'm going to play for you guys in reference to that um, after, after you finish, Scotty. But go ahead. But yeah, as far as uh, Julian Assange, um, and people really should look back at what happened with WikiLeaks years ago when um, they had they essentially had a financial blockade 
Um, remember when the credit card companies and um, Bank of America, these different banks, were cutting off their ability to get funds from people? Do y'all remember that? I, I remember, and let's remember this was, you know, it's Canada has been doing this too. Yeah, and then when they did that, but I think there's a lot of people that really did not care because there are people that did not like Julian Assange, found him to be uncomfortable. Maybe some people thought he was too comfortable with the right, even though he he did have like certain people on the left that liked him. Um, and I thought that was just the dumbest thing because it's like, if they're willing to do it to people that you don't like, you don't think that they're not going to do it to you. So so they, they did that. And then they did it to the truckers in Canada. Like, I don't care which is, uh, how you feel. Like, when somebody goes after the money, that that's that's an issue. Like, like they're literally seizing funds or they're, like, keeping people from donating to you. And people in here in America... I can guarantee you the moment that they start doing that into America, you'll literally start see, uh, seeing people find out the uh, definition of what sanctions are. Because a lot of people don't understand like what sanctions uh, are, like what how the United States implements them. But that's pretty much what that was, was like is a sanction, is the ability to cut off funds or to cut off cut off resources from people and once people like once that happens here because it's going to happen here especially with israel palestine uh, where people are going to try to raise funds like part of me is wondering okay is it going to be too late for you know people to really come uh, come to grips with that type of power grab but the other part of me is thinking, it's sad, but in America, it always we always uh, don't care about something until it, it affects us in some way. Like it doesn't affect. Like I don't think we uh, a lot of people see like what happened in Israel Palestine is affecting us because like. Well, we're still able to buy TVs or like electronics, like we're still distracted. But once it affects protests, once it affects commerce, then I that's when you see the turn, especially with bricks coming. But like, why do you why do you think that is, Scotty? Why do you think that Americans are less likely to care about issues? that don't directly affect us, even though I, I'd still say these foreign policy decisions affect us, but why do you think that is? Well, because we don't see, it's one, it's, also, it's out of sight, out of mind, and two, like, um, it's like I said, I think we see ourselves as the best and the brightest, right? So anywhere else, like, we look at, like, just think of the phrases, like, the third world, undeveloped countries, like you, even the way we speak about other countries, like, like I, and like we're we're such an individualistic and capitalistic country that 
you know, we're, we're taught to really think about our own interests. So there's that. And, um, and even like, I'll say the, the re a big reason why the Vietnam war movement was so such a big deal is because it affected those people. Like how many people didn't want to be drafted? Like, Really think that through. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of those, a lot of those people that were in the streets didn't want to get, get caught up to Vietnam. Well, I think uh, part of the pro- part of the problem there, Scotty, is I think part of the reason when we talk about the war issue is the reason why Americans don't may not care so much about what's happening abroad with foreign policy is because we have no draft. More more Americans cared and were passionate about the Vietnam War because there was the draft. So people in this country were directly affected. You know, like they they if they weren't drafted, they had sons or brothers or fathers or uncles that were. And so I think that's the piece why people may not some people may not care as much about foreign policy is because the, that draft piece is not there. Well, they've also sanitized it all. I mean, there's a, there's a, like the, the, the carnage that, that's been happening in Ukraine. We don't, we don't see it, but if you, if you think about what it would be like to actually be on the ground when that war is happening, it would be hell on earth, but they just don't show it. You don't see it. And now, of course, you know, in, in Gaza and in, in Palestine, you know, they, Babies are literally getting blown to bits, but you know, out of sight, out of mind, I guess. But that, that's a big part of it is it's just not showing it. Yep, you're right. Like they, because the Vietnam War was that was the last war where they actually showed the civilian casualty, um, excuse me, casualties casualty. on TV. They showed it on the news. Could you guys imagine like some of the stuff? Like we we got to go to Twitter to see some of these things. But could you imagine actually like they showed. Not only that, but and more importantly, the children, they showed the children casualties like on the news. And sometimes the, uh, you had to get it from independent um, independent uh, newspapers like uh, Ramparts, like that, uh, that, that famous photo of the girl uh, running out naked and uh, napalm. Uh, that was from Ramparts. Uh, I forgot the, the guy's name. Yeah really feel bad for uh, the name is on the tip of my tongue but the, uh, that's what the magazine came from mm. um, Robert Shear that's his name Robert Shear Robert yeah, Shear that's what, yeah uh, that's what I wanted to say uh, if, what uh, what tape were you, uh, did you were we going to play before I head out oh shoot I almost forgot yeah so yeah, um, in reference to the Black Power Media thing, like it was really, like for me, like, one thing I want to say before I play this is that I think it's 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 become really clear to me that part of the problem is that based on what I saw today, because they they did issue a response, which I will say, like uh, Kim Brown was very much like trying to explain to her colleagues like where she feels they went wrong, right? And 
it was pretty clear to me watching this that none of the other members saw, at least the ones on the Remix Morning Show, none of the other members saw the stream, but she did see the stream that we did over the weekend. So she was trying to explain to them what happened. And so I just want to play, let me play this bit. Like they did a whole thing. I can play different pieces here and there throughout the call-in. But I want to play this bit because I want you guys to hear this because this is another example where I do feel like um, they not, they're saying things that are not true. So, so, so let me, yeah, so let me know if you can, you can hear. So first of all, let me test this here. So when, when is this from? When did they? Um, let me see. This was either the today or yesterday. It, it was sent to me. It says 14 hours ago on the Remix Morning Show. First of all, Eric, can you tell me if you can hear this. ...in that lawsuit, and they, they, they did not prevail. I, I did not know that. And they didn't prevail? Did you hear that, Scotty? Yeah, I heard Yeah, I think so. It's a tad low, but I think it's good. Do you want me to boost it? <laughs> yeah, but yeah, go ahead and boost it, and then I'll get it to the spot that it needs to be in. All right. Um, no. So whoever had it still has it. Yes. So they so they just pass it around okay, the skull good. of sitting bull. So, so Okay. Now let me get it to the part. This is the part where I want you guys to hear because it was very obvious to me that there's something they're not let me just say this first. Okay. First and foremost, I genuinely had a lot of respect for Black Power Media. And as you guys know, like you never heard me speak badly about them yeah, on this thanks. day, whether it was calling or my show, if anything, everything I said about them was positive. I promoted them. I said, check them out. Like I generally had a lot of respect for them and I admired, I like admired the work that they had done. So for me, I can't speak for everyone at RBN, but for me, I had, I looked up to them. And so the reaction that you saw come out of me on Saturday, aside from the, the shit that happened with my car, mm -hmm. that had been months of built up frustration because we had agreed, let's not, you know, let's not come after them, you know, that kind of thing. Like, even though they were saying things about us, which is admitted on this remix morning show today, Kim does say, well, yeah, but you guys have been taking shots at RBN for a while, which we had not been doing. And then eventually, like, I think the Jared thing really, like, pushed, that was the thing that really pushed a button because I felt like, the, I, the way I felt was Nick was on the show and he spoke to Kim and um, Jared when he came onto the show. And I just felt like it was, you know, knowing what I saw after, I felt like it was very fake. But let me let me play this. So they did respond. So listen to this. It's been cool, calm, and collected. Um, so I've had no real beef. Even if I, you know, there maybe there's some things about them I disagree with, blah, blah, blah. But no, no big deal. So why these particular folks have this fake outrage? And I do consider it to be fake outrage. Um, I'm not sure where that's coming from. And I'm not sure where, I think it's Slabby, Slabby, whatever her name is. Sabby, Sabby Sabs. 
Slabby. Wow. Come on, Kamal. What, sloppy? No, no, no. We're not doing that. Wow. I'm not doing that. Okay, let's pause there before I continue. Wow. So, Kamal was on my show. So, he's trying to be an ass and call me out my name. But listen to this. This is the part that's funny. One of the criticisms that was said about RBN, and this was something that happened on Twitter, apparently. I wasn't a part of this conversation, but there was, uh, I guess, dialogue between like Renee and Nick, apparently, from what I understand. And the prob- one of the problems they had is that they said that one of the guys called uh, Renee out of her name. But here is Kamau sitting on the live stream right here calling me out of my name. And now Kim pushed back. But does Jared say anything? No. So my thing is, like, if you have a problem with Nick calling Renee out her name, but you don't have a problem with Kamal calling me out my name, I'm calling hypocrite. Now, let me let me play. Let me play. Let me finish playing what he said. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you what's not correct. Savvy, who says two things, at least, and I have not watched, but obviously people report back to you about what people say. All right, let me pause there. So I want to make that very clear. He didn't watch it. He hasn't he hasn't seen the stream. But he is going to go on and say what other people told him, but he didn't actually watch the show. Now, let me tell you what he gets wrong. Why did I smile in her face? Who came on her show and smiled? I didn't smile on your face. I don't even know you, B. I came on your show at an invitation and talked about whatever. But I've not talked publicly bad about you up until this point or any of you. So that's false. He has publicly spoken bad about us on Black Power Media. For whatever reason, that's Kamal Franklin. For whatever reason, Kamal seems to think that he's not a part of the other things that were said on Black Power Media, but he is very much a part of it. Now, let me show you the lie. So I don't know what some, I didn't smile in nobody's face. You invited me on your show. I came on your show. I talked about Cop City and I left your show. And now you're also suggesting that somehow I was supposed to be working with you with community movement builders and that. So that's a lie. So I never said, see, this is what happened when people don't actually watch the show. They just repeat what other people told them. And you guys ever played that game called telephone? So obviously things are going to get twisted by the time it gets to the person it's going to get to. If you go back and watch the stream, I never said that Kamal was working with us with community movement builders. I never said that. What I said was that when CJ and Nick had reached out to Black Power Media and wanted to do with the collab, it was Kamal that came on. I think Katanji came on with them in the very beginning. And what was said, that stream is still on RBN, by the way. So you guys can see that whole first collab. What was said during the stream is to work together with them with organizing. What I said was organizing. I never said we were working with them with community movement builders. So you see how these two things, this is another example of them saying things that are not true. 
And if Kamal Franklin actually would have just watched the stream and listened for himself, instead of listening to what it sounds like people in the audience are telling him, then he would have heard what was said. The only person on the panel that actually saw the stream was Kim. The rest of them didn't. They're just repeating things that the audience is telling them. So that's a part of the problem. So he goes on to say this. Now that Renee has gotten in the way of that, I, we've never had any discussion about working together, ever, ever, on any organizational level whatsoever, except for the podcasting that they do. So again, I never said we were working with him in community movement builders. So you guys see how these things get twisted. This is what happens when you don't go and watch things for yourself. When I was talking about Renee, I didn't say Renee was getting in the way of community movement builders. I said, get her as far away from your organization as possible. And you should. And you should. But you see how this is the, the problem that I have with Black Power Media is that they say shit as fact on their show with no receipts, no videos, not playing nothing. They could have easily just went to the stream and played what was said. But that's a big problem that I have. We, one thing about us on RBN, we're not perfect. We have our issues. But you see us show up with receipts. You, you see us show things. So then it goes on to say this. Lastly, this dude, Nick, who I don't, like, again, some dude sitting on their mama's couch making videos, don't, do not, does not move me. And that's the big problem that I have. There's more that said, I can play it later. But it was very clear to me. First of all, there's two things. Number one, Nick does not live with his mom. So see, that's a lie. And even if he did live with his mom, who gives a fuck? Who cares? So it's, it's very clear to me, this, this phrase by Kamal, some guy who sits on his mom's couch, doesn't move me. What CJ, when CJ said that they are the Huxtables, CJ was correct. This is a class issue. The difference that I'm starting to notice between Black Power Media and RBN is class. That's the difference because Nick can't help that he's working class. Nick, however, does not live with his mom. And even if he did live with his mom, who gives a fuck? So we're people are supposed to look down on Nick because he's sitting on a couch. I'm sorry, Kamal. Not everybody has the money to have the things that you have. This is the type of shit that pisses me off. This is why I got so angry, you guys. Because that's fucking, that's classes as fuck, period. It's also a generational thing. Yeah. You must not talk to a lot of older millennials. <laughs> like, they'll tell you a lot of them have to move back in with their parents if that's the case. But that's another example of who cares? The point is, it doesn't matter who Nick lives with. But that's another thing that he got wrong. Nick does not live with his mom. And Nick, which he probably would not brag about, but I know, Nick has housed people as well. 
When people got evicted, Nick has housed people. But Kamal sees him as not credible and not relevant because he's sitting on, quote unquote, his mother's couch, which isn't even his mother's couch because Nick doesn't live with his mom. Do, do you guys see the problem? So first of all, you didn't even watch the stream. You're repeating talking points that came from other people, but you didn't watch it for yourself. Oh, and once again, you're saying things about people like this entitled elitist bullshit. Like you guys know, I don't tolerate that shit. So here you are making judgment about Nick because of his because of his financial situation. So because Nick isn't as educated as you and doesn't have as much money as you, you look down on Nick. What's this really about people? Is this really about black liberation or is it only black liberation for certain people? And uh, everybody may not have heard it. Do you want to talk about what um, this Jared Ball admitted that he did regards to Fred Hampton Jr.? Yeah. Um, like this like honestly like this is different like people gotta understand like this is not like the same type of energy that i like it's not like if it was somebody who was not in community with us i'd feel very like if this was like jink Uger or someone like that i just like fuck that motherfucker you know like whatever we don't care but these are people that we actually looked up to and we were just kind of like like we strive to be like them to be where they're at Especially in reference to organizing, like I thought these people, I thought they were cool with us. So we just to find out. So let me make this very clear. Back when we were Fred Hampton leftists, right? So for those who don't know, RBN used to be Fred Hampton leftists. Then what happened was along the way, some people started going to Fred Hampton Jr., who's Fred Hampton's son, and telling him that. These people are using your dad's name and making money off your dad's name. So let's debunk the first part. First of all, we didn't even make any fucking money. This is what a lot of people don't understand. We weren't even monetized until after we got over 5,000 subs. At that point in time, when I joined the group, there were, I think... Did I make six or seven? I forget. I made either number six or number seven. I forget. Then Meg joined. And then there was also um, uh, Hair of the Dog. So Andy and Carrie also joined. Anyway, the point that I'm trying to make is there were a lot of people that were part of the group at that point in time. There were a lot of people. Okay. So the little bit of money that we did make on YouTube didn't go to the members it went to pay for other things because keep in mind so there were at least almost 10 of us at that point in time so when we did finally make money that money went to pay for things like Streamyard, um the tube buddy all the stuff that you guys may not know about but all the stuff the programs and stuff that we use in the background that you do have to pay for it went towards those types of things we also raised money for fred hampton's house that again, that was for the house. That wasn't for us because they were trying to get rid of the house. So we were like, let's do a fundraiser to raise money for the house. So 
And then there was tour for the poor, which is what Rome already was doing before FHL even started. So tour for the poor, to be fair, so people understand, tour for the poor, it, it that organization existed before Fred Hampton left his podcast even started. That was something Rome was doing before he even like joined FHL. So the point is, is this, if you have, let's do some math guys. Let's say you get to 6,000, 7,000 subscribers and you have 10 people that are part of the network. You're not even making, because I can tell you from the math, number one, you're not even making $3,000 or $2,000 a month. Just from the math, I can tell you. Then you may add in some super chat. So let's be generous. Let's say $1,500 a month, right? There's 10 of us. So when people said that we were making money, I was like, yo, all that money went to pay for fucking bills. That went to pay for everything else. So we actually didn't start actually making money until I'm trying to remember. I think the first time I got a payment, it was a hundred dollars. I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. And this is because like we weren't making much and there were so many of us. So long story short, Apparently, there was a video that Jared made on Saturday, and he hosts this show with Renee now on Black Power Media. So apparently, Renee is a part of Black Power Media. And on this stream, he admits that he went to Fred Hampton Jr. and said, hey, you know these cats, these cats out here using your name? And he said, I didn't know at the time that I had you know, some type of push with that. But yeah, then they had to stop using the name. And then Renee said on the show that, yeah, no, they had to. They got to cease and desist. So first of all, let me correct that lie. We never receive a cease and desist anything from anybody about using that name. And if you want to Google it, there are other organizations and other groups that use that name, by the way. Just letting you know that use that name. So we never, that never happened. That cease and desist was a fucking lie that Renee told. And she's a good liar. Like she'll look right into the camera and say, oh, yes, they did. I know for a fact. No, she does not know. But nobody reached out to us. When Jared did what he did, when Renee said what she said about us, Nobody from Black Power Media asked if this stuff was true. Nobody like, and, and for Jared to have done that, and then you had Nick on the fucking show and you smiling in Nick's face. And don't believe me, go back and watch the interview. He was smiling in Nick's face. And you knew you did that sneaky shit behind our back. Don't give me that bullshit while I wasn't trying to tell people not to watch them. They were trying to get rid of us. He was trying to get rid of us. And then Nick comes onto his show and he sits there and all the criticism that he's had for us, that he said on their show, none of that is mentioned when Nick is in the interview. No pushback, no nothing, just cheesing the entire time and being completely nice to Nick. And this is not to say you have to destroy guests when they come onto your show, but the thing is, Nick was right there. If you had criticism, about what RBM was doing or what you thought Nick was doing, why didn't you just talk about it? Ask him about it.
but he did that sneaky shit and he sat there doing that interview when he was interviewing Nick knowing damn well he tried to get us removed. So for people who don't understand, if you go to Fred Hampton Jr., which by the way, Rome actually met Fred Hampton Jr. Rome took the picture with him and everything. So it's not like Rome and it's not like Fred Hampton Jr. had no type of, you know, what's up to anyone from RBN. The other thing is this, for Jared to sit there knowing he did that, uh, that grimy shit and just sit there and smile, you too damn old for that shit. So for the people who came to me and said, don't talk about age, nah, fuck that. When you get to be a certain age, there's a certain level of maturity that comes along with that. The shit that Jared did, that reminds me of high school behavior. But I sit here and I listen to the response and Kamal says, we need to grow up. We need to grow up. He says, we're childish. Your fucking co-host did some high school bullshit and then turned around and smiled in Nick's face. And that's not the only thing that happened. The other thing that he admitted was, I guess, after the first time Jimmy had Nick on the show, Jimmy Dore had Nick on the show. This guy says he DM'd Jimmy Dore after he saw Nick on the show and told Jimmy Dore, if you want to have, you know, a real black perspective, have me on. What the fuck is wrong with you? You a grown ass, old ass man. Why are you trying to go after young black working class man who just trying to get a fucking foot in the door? Well, who does that shit? Go ahead, Scotty. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's understandable. The, uh, I was only uh, the last question I was going to ask is, what do you think he means by you guys don't engage radical black thought? And I'll I'll uh, go out and uh, and I'll listen to your answer. Bye. Have a good. Night. Well, it's radical black thought according to them. It's radical black thought. For example, Nick has interviewed Nelson Mandela's grandson. I see everybody showing up for that. I see people talking about that shit. You know, but what would we don't engage in radical black thought? Me and JB have interviewed members from the Uhuru movement. I interviewed Amalia Shatella. We've interviewed, we brought on people who are part of pan-African organizations. But I don't see them talk about that shit because they don't watch. They don't watch the actually show. If they watched the actual show, they would know what we're talking about, but they're not. And it was very clear to me that based on what I saw, it seems like they're just listening to what the audience is telling them. And of course, a lot of the people in their audience don't like us and, and you know, vice versa. But I feel like our audience was willing to give them a chance because they came on RBN and we said, yeah, go check them out. We promoted them. So you guys got to understand they were ahead of us. Like in subscribers, they were way ahead of us. We passed them. And they started, you know, before we did and stuff like that. But the thing is, when they came on RBN, we were promoting them, not the other way around. And so some of our subscribers were like, oh, I'll check these guys out. You know, that kind of thing. 
And that's how we found out that they were talking. They were saying things about us that wasn't true because our own subscribers said, yo, I've been watching Black Power Media. But I know you guys consider them comrades. You know that they're lying about you guys. That's how we found out. So we've known for months that they've been saying things about us that's not true. But the, the two incidents that I just brought up, those videos just happened this past week. For the longest time, we were just like, let's not say anything. And you know, and maybe, I don't know, maybe that was a mistake. Maybe we should have said something. Go ahead, Roger, then I'll go to Ashura. So um, I remember you said to me, uh, check them out some, some time ago. I watched, I got bored, never turned back. Now, here's something that I want you to know that you should tell them. Okay, I heard that. That was uh, that was lean on me. All right, Ashura, go ahead, and then I'll go to Noel. You just have to unmute. Just gotta hit the unmute button there. Okay, I don't know. I don't know if it's working. So, um, oh, there you go. I was just looking for your page, but with the thumbnail. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, uh, <laughs> about the Black Power Media thing. I mean, I wrote down in the comment section, i glad I never checked them out. Uh, you guys always, like, were being so nice to them. You never talk shit about them. Every time they talk about Black Power Media, I'm like, okay, I'll check them out, but maybe I'll check them out, but I'm always being lazy checking them out. And I'm like, when I hear this shit, it was all about because you got access to Jimmy Dore. All of a sudden, they got fucking jealous because they were here first. It reminded me what Nico House said when Nico House were, uh, was talking about Tim Black or how Tim Black got jealous of him because he was pro-Tulsi. He got a job at with Tulsi and Tim Black was like mad because he was here first. He was the first black guy in this space. And because Tulsi basically got um, got Nico as a part of her camp, like he, he was pissed and he went anti-Tulsi. So I feel like it's like that with Black Power Media and you guys. Because you guys were behind them, and now you're basically you, your channel, and RBN's channel has blown past them because they've they've become stale. They've, they've become like the Black Vanguard. Well, what was interesting, too, is the comments about when Jared said that, you know, we we basically try to appeal to white people. We're being ourselves. This is who we are. We're not trying to be someone different. And, and every member of RBN is, is different. Like we all bring something different to the group. But the thing is, is that we never were like, let's appeal to black people. The name of the group was Fred Hampton leftists. So we weren't like, let's just appeal to white people. Like the goal was to encourage people to be more like Fred Hampton. That was the whole point. That was why we like the RBN chapters that we started, the mutual aid. That was the whole point to encourage people. And apparently we have encouraged people to do these things. But the, but the thing is, is that, so you got a problem because we have, most of our viewers are white, but then you also have a problem because 
Jimmy chose to bring on Nick and not you. You you have a problem with Jimmy Dore, but you were upset that he didn't bring you on his show and he brought Nick on instead. Yeah. So, like to me, he trying to appeal to the white people. Yeah, but, as as Nick yes. said, he said he knew Jimmy before that. He was working with the with the the Bernie campaign. Yeah, a lot of people don't know that. And that's I'm glad Nick said that because a lot of people think we just started a show and all of a sudden Jimmy was like, let me pick out this, pick this group. No, that's not how that happened. That Nick, you guys got to remember, Nick was one of the people that volunteered for the Bernie campaign. And Nick actually met a lot of people doing that. Like he met the guy. I don't know if you guys, you remember the movie Justice League? Yeah. uh, uh, You're talking about the cyborg dude, uh, Ray Fisher. Yeah. Like Nick met him. So that guy is actually pretty, really progressive. He was also out there trying to help Bernie, Bernie win. So Nick got a chance to meet him and Rome, by the way, for y'all who don't know, when Rome was campaigning, or excuse me, not campaigning, volunteering for Bernie, Rome met Nina Turner. So like some of these people, that's what I'm trying to tell you guys. Some of these people already knew who at least Nick and Rome were before we even started the show because of the work that they were doing on the ground in reference to the Bernie campaign. But no, that's important for people to understand. Like, it's not like Jimmy was just like, hey, I see this channel of black people. I'm going to try to befriend them and tell them what to do. No, that that's not the case. Like, there was already, you know, a relationship there. And so I'm glad that Nick finally said that. That is another thing that Kim did address on the show this morning. And Kamal was just like, Jimmy Dore is their daddy. Da, da, da. First of all, as you guys know, I told you, I haven't spoken to Jimmy in a while. Well, so that's, that. the, that's the BS when people say they break up Jimmy Dore and you guys, they say, oh, you guys don't criticize Jimmy Dore. I mean, are, you, are you not fucking watching the channel? No. They don't, they don't criticize Jimmy Dore. They've ripped Jimmy Dore an asshole live on TV and Jimmy Dore even calls Nick and says, oh, I got I got no problem with that. You could have me on. I'll I'll basically come on and explain myself. So Jimmy's not doesn't have a problem with that. He even said the he even said the same thing when he went on Nico Nico's channel. He even said that he was willing to basically talk with them. He admit he admit, he admitted when he's wrong. But this guy's like just pissed the fact that Jimmy Dore never invited him on. But see, this is the kind of stuff that we've had to deal with before in this space. And and it's just, look, we when we decided to do this, we never came in to try to take anybody's spot. You know, we just wanted to create a space where people can see that Black people are not a monolith. That was a big thing. We wanted to see there's all different types of Black people. And we want you to realize also that somebody that we looked up to was Fred Hampton. And we really wanted people to aspire to like be like him, like especially in reference to like mutual aid and helping people within your community. And we felt like this was going to this is the way to really organize people, and motivate people instead of people just relying on going to the voting booth. That was the whole goal. That was the whole point. And so some people, like, they just saw the, the name and they were just like, these people think they're Fred Hampton and da da. Like, they just. You know, there's, I'm sorry, but I don't know if it's envy or jealousy or what, but to me, the impression that I got, it seemed like Jared was upset that Nick got some opportunities that he feels because he was in the space longer and he has more credentials that should have been given to him. That's what it seems like to me. 
And I'm sorry for them to sit there and, and not all of them, but Kamal and for Kamal to say he don't understand what what they did wrong because you didn't watch the stream. Yeah, Anybody who watched that stream, especially the very beginning of the stream, it shows you exactly what you did wrong because Nick played the videos of them, of them contradicting their self about us. It's not like we just jumped on screen and said, oh, they said this, they said that. No, we played your videos with you speaking. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's really like funny the way when you put that clip just now, he's trying to pretend he doesn't know your name. And he's like, oh, come on. Are you trying to be Fox News when they pretend they, they can't pronounce somebody's name? It's not like the word, the name Sabby's African. But, but, yeah. but. Something that's come out. I, I, I had the impression he was a good guy, but I guess not. Something. No, no. no. They, they seem petty. They, they seem petty. And I'm like, they seem petty, jealous. They wish they, it was it was them <laughs> for, for uh, getting Jimmy Dore's part instead of you guys. Because it, it seems like because that they, they gotten stale and you guys just blew past them. And people are like, no, these guys have more energy and you guys are just old. When that RBM stream started and they and they played that video clip of uh, Jared Ball there saying that he contacted Fred Hampton, I, I was like, like yeah. wait, what, what did he just yeah, say? Yeah, that one, that like, one was like, what? what the fuck? I mean, that's pure jealousy. <laughs> So, well, and, it's and so it, stupid it, to admit too. I mean, yeah, you're yeah. Admit that you snitched on them. Yes, because Nick was saying that before that somebody's wow. like talking to the chairman and shit, and then we couldn't find out who they were, so we thought it was people mass reporting it. And then this motherfucker comes out, literally fucking telling it was me. It was like Scooby, some Scooby Doo shit. In front of, instead of basically running around trying to get the villain in Scooby Doo. The villain just come out and said, no, it was me. You don't have to set a trap. It's me. And so the other thing I was going to say, too, is that, you know, I think some people have a problem with the fact that Nick is very, very intelligent and Nick doesn't have a, a, a college degree, but he retains information. One of the things Nick and I have in common is that we retain information very quickly. So we can just really just like read an article really quick and boom, we just remember what we read. So we can just go, OK, this and this, this, this and this happened. Right. So he retains information very quickly. And I'm I'm sorry, but this that that elitist comment from Kamal really rubbed me the wrong way because I'm like, how can you just so let me play play this part? Hold on. Does not move me. I don't know who you are. I don't know what you do. The first time I heard of them was when Jared talked about them being the 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 so-called Fred Hampton leftist. So-called. That's the first time I ever heard of these cats. So he claims he doesn't know who we are or what we do, but then he contradicts himself later on in this discussion saying that, oh, they know who we are. They know exactly what we do because we had we met with them. We had a meeting. Jeez, you guys, this, let me finish. Hold on. And as far as I knew, Jimmy Dore was like their daddy and shit like that. That's all I knew about him. That's all I knew about him. Oh, oh God. I don't know about their organizing. I don't know nothing about him in terms of the black movement. Which doesn't mean to say that I need to know everything about him, but I don't know anything about them. Whose fault is that? That's his fault. You mean to tell you mean to tell me you don't know anything 
You on Twitter, you mean to tell me you never saw any of the posts that Rome posts for Tour for the Poor or Rome, the post that he shows with the progress of the library and stuff like that? You, I can understand if he had never been on RBN, but he'd been on RBN multiple times and now he claims he don't know anything about us. If, if he's on Twitter and social media, he must be. He's lying. So let me get to the the, the Kim part. So I don't care so much about their outrage, except that it's, it's such a condition of like, these are like children yelling at their screens because they got nothing better to do. <laughs> so even through, even through his rant on my DM, I tried to be brotherly and was like, all right. Oh, God damn it, man. Talk about it later. I, that's that's true. True. This guy just, he's a fucking snake. I got nothing to debate you about. He's what Richard Gordon. Who are you? So when you start organizing and want to organize, then do that. So see, that's another, that's a further, another misleading comment. When he says start organizing, see, this is another thing that they do. They claim you, you just said, you don't know anything about us. You don't know who we are, but then you're also willing to say that we don't organize basically, which is a lie. Because uh, Dave Human in the chat said uh, he's not an organizer. So I was gonna, I was gonna ask that question about them. Do they do anything? No organizing? Is do they just talk on on camera? No, they do community movement. But like they again, they came on the RBN and talked about all of this. They came on and talked about community movement builders the very first time they came on with um, CJ with Nick and CJ. But let me let this part finish. But all this other blah 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 stuff. It's like it's like child's play. So I watched the whole broadcast that they did Saturday, and come a couple of things that you just said come out. I think is part of the problem. There's a mutual misunderstanding between the platforms about the kind of work that the other does. Um, people over here don't seem to know the kind of organizing that they do over there, which is very heavy in mutual aid. They do political education over there, and listening to the rants. Uh, from some of the RBN folks Saturday, it's clear that they are not aware of the organizational work that members of this collective do. Like BPM is not an an organization per se. If I understand it correctly, we are a propaganda media arm to speak on behalf and to amplify the work of of Black liberation folks and Pan-African folks. The only thing I would suggest is, I don't, that's not true necessarily. I've had conversations with them where they definitely know who we are, where they actually talk about us as, as like, oh, they want to be more like us. They want us to teach them. They've had all those conversations and so forth. So it's not. Okay. So you just heard that, right? But he just said that he doesn't even know who we are. So which is it? If, if you don't know who we are or you don't know what we do, this, this is where it, it does not make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. Let me get to let me make sure I'm on the right part. And folks, Saturday, it's clear that they are not aware of the organizational. Let me go forward a little bit. And on Saturday, he he he. And on Saturday, he 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 conveyed a sense of, you know, I guess because they are younger, and there was a lot of reference to old <laughs> during their. That's probably the only thing they got right is that I am old. Well, so I, but, I gotta, you know, but I, I think they may have had some. I don't know, and I don't want to speak for them, but it sounded like they were disappointed that their older, respected 
comrades and organization wouldn't come to them directly and talk to them about the issues that we may have had or others may have had with them calling themselves Fred Hampton leftists. That instead of coming to them first and directly, somebody or others went to the chairman junior and, and dropped dimes, basically. Well, I'll let Garrett respond to I've done nothing, again, but chat them up and talk to them. So from an individual point of view, whatever whatever cursing or whatever that they think they're doing and whatever outrage, it's performative in my in my <laughs> mind. It's, I don't I don't I don't know. When people start talking about that like like doing whatever they're doing or whatever, it's like I don't know you. I don't know I don't know nothing about you. I don't So again he says he knows nothing about us, but he met with us. So which is it? Go ahead, Ashura. Yeah, so on that one, that was a very nice therapeutic uh, session you did on Saturday. Because I guess it was building up, like they say, when they when the psychiatrist puts you on the couch, he has to tell, let it out in, in deep thoughts, <laughs> slow drips. But this one was a river that you guys cried out. It was like, cry me a river. <laughs> Hold on, because I'm going to get to the part where um, so this is Jackie and she was some of the, she caused some of the problem too. About what people say about me on social media and dear God, I've been through this so many times before in the past few years where people will get online and say things about me but not talk to me. So, you know, this, if this was their concern that their elders would not talk to them uh, about whatever issues that they think their elders had, but that was the issue that I brought up when we had this conversation about, you know, this last week, that these folks and not just them and not even primarily them, but a lot of these online commentators and, and, and this wasn't even said in the context of, Kim, what you are saying their concern was, which was this issue with uh, Fred Hampton leftist, which honestly, I don't know anything about because, again, I'm too busy doing actual stuff in real life. Like, oh, I don't know, fighting for my life and organizing. <laughs> See, again, that's another example of them hinting to the fact that basically they're doing stuff and we're not doing stuff. These people, these people, you know what? I got to tell you guys. Bullshitters. This is, is ultimate bullshit. Ultimate bullshit. Let me let her finish. Oh, I just got other priorities. But, but, but if, if you, you, it's difficult for me to understand how you're angry that people don't reach out and talk to you. Well, a part of the problem seems to have been that the same thing was done to other people, which was my, which was my one of two comments that number one, most of the folks who had anything to say um, uh, about the criticism that the Black Alliance for Peace and that I had um, with the Rage Against the War Machine rally those people did not reach out to us and talk to us about why we criticize that rally. 
So first of all, two lies. Number one, that's not true. Uh, first of all, I want to make this very clear. There were only two people that talked about the article, and that was Nick and CJ on the stream on RBN, and they agreed with Ajamu Baraka and Black Alliance for Peace. See, again, this is another example that shows you they're not actually watching the content. They're listening to what their audience members are saying. If they would have actually watched that stream, they would have known that Nick and CJ supported what they said, supported it. The only person who went to the rally was me. I'm the only one that went. Nobody else from RBN went to that rally. And I went there and covered the rally. And even before I went, I covered the, before I went to the rally, I had, I made criticisms about it. Like, why do y'all have more black people? I said that on stream. And then after the rally, I said, let's do a recap. And I said the same thing. Y'all should have had some black, more black speak. Like, what the fuck was this? So I did talk about those things, but they don't watch our content. If they were actually watching the content, they would have known what was actually said. But what's interesting to me is that they're willing to just believe what one person says and not actually go look for their self. Like we don't do that at RBN. Notice that we go and pull videos and pull articles and see, oh, okay, this person said this. Let's see if there's actual receipts on that. They don't do that. Kamal Franklin is a lawyer. He knows about evidence and documents and things like that. The same thing applies when you're doing this damn show. Have you ever seen that movie with this uh, Joe Pesci where he wasn't a lawyer, but he was pretending to be a lawyer? I'm getting that vibe from him. Like we, we don't, we have never see again. This is one of those things that makes me think Renee is a part of is behind some of this, because the thing is, when have you guys ever seen us say that besides from what happened this weekend, when have you ever seen us say negative things about black power media? When? I mean, if they admitted that they were doing that shit with the Fred the Hefton left, which was the first stab in the front, stab in the front. So you, you could say before Renee came, Renee was just a nail in the coffin. Even though I made it very clear in the article. Hold on. She's still bringing up this fucking article. Bruh, <laughs> nobody was even, I don't even think I talked about that article. Now, now, now here, listen to this. This is the part that cracks me up on the bandwagon with the criticisms of the accurate critique of the Rage Against the War Machine rally, which we admitted on the last show, they did uh, admit that they were wrong and that- No, the only person who meant, I admitted that. I admitted that. Do you see the problem? Nick and CJ weren't wrong about the Rage Against the War Machine rally because they agreed with Jackie and, Aj and Ajamu. The only person who admitted they were wrong was me. Oh, so it's collective punishment. <laughs> now what, what, the, what the fuck? Punishment. <laughs> so let me fast forward to this part. I I'm going to play this part that Kim said here. Hold on. Because again, like I said, this is what happens when... This is what happens when you don't actually look up the stuff for yourself. This is what happens. Okay, here we go. 
And I don't even think erroneously that there have been subtle shots taken at RBN from this platform on occasion. It may, they may have been indirect shots, but they've been shots. Uh, and so you heard that that came from Kim. Let me continue. They claim that, you know, they have been aware of these shots, but they was just, you know, letting it roll until what they when and, and part of I think what they consider to be a smear from Black Power Media again and, and hold on let me, I'm getting ahead of myself. To be clear, Jared, I said snitch and drop a dime. That was my characterization. What what Nick said he he called you a Karen. <laughs> he said he he basically was like you know he went to Fred Junior like he was going like Fred Junior was my manager. You know what I'm saying like his supervisor. He so he called you a Karen. I I recharacterize it as snitch and dropping the dime because that's how I interpret it. So I don't want to misquote or make it seem so. I'm you are just as bad and I know, but I, I just wanted to be I I wanted to be uh, uh, clear yes, about that. Yes. But the, but the notion of um, they were upset about the allegations of a cease and desist being served upon them for pertaining the use of the, the name Fred Hampton leftist. They deny that they were ever served with the cease and desist. So it's, I never it's, said that though. I know. No, Jared, you didn't say it, but you sat right there co-hosting the show with Renee and Renee said it. And you went along with it. So you see, listen, you know what? See, this is why go, go ahead, Ashura. Go ahead. Let me step away from this for just Okay, uh, should I talk about the the show tonight, or we're, we're on the same topic? What do you want? It's a free for all. Go. Okay. Uh, I I don't want to keep beating a dead horse. I think that horse has has died since Saturday, so no need to resuscitate it. Ashura, can, yeah. can I ask something before you move to the next subject? Yeah. Um, I know you weren't there from the beginning, and I know hindsight is twenty twenty. Because you, you weren't one of the original members of Fred Hampton leftist RBN. But was there any attempt, do you know, by um, the members who started Fred Hampton leftist RBN to say, to not just like reach out to Fred Hampton Jr., but say, we would like you to like come on the show and I don't know, whether you call it give it a blessing or christening or whatever the case is, and have be a regular guest on the show. Uh, to be honest with you, uh, Roger, I came around our, uh, Fred Hampton Levis when the Jimmy Dore... No, no, that, that, no, I was asking Sabrina that. Okay. We'll see. Sorry. She might be busy, but what, what I recall was that um, they they really wanted to talk to him, and they, they made a lot of overtures reaching out and, and had trouble reaching him. And, um, and then, they you know, Rome, I think, finally you know, met up with him and talked with him, but I'm, I'm sure they, they offered him would have loved that. And my impression was that the, the Fred Hampton people didn't really respond to that. I could be wrong, but. No, what happened was, what happened was we were communicating through Anthony Clark. I don't know if you guys remember Anthony Clark, but Anthony Clark uh, ran for Congress. He was one of the, the, um, yeah. Progressive members that ran during the time when AOC first ran, yeah. right? I remember that name. And so when people say that um, the guy that was running in Louisiana was the first one to smoke weed on a, in a campaign ad, that's not true. Anthony Clark was the first one to do that. Mm -hmm. So Anthony Clark was friends with uh, Fred Hampton Jr. And so the communication was happening between him. And we were... <laughs> 
what I felt like on track to make that happen. And then all these people started making up shit about us saying we were making money off of his dad's name and, and taking money and, and all this stupid shit, which never wasn't the case at all. And it was very hurtful. And so Rome eventually was able to go and meet with him. And then he went up to Chicago and met with Fran Hampton Jr. The picture's on Twitter somewhere. If y'all look for that might have been Rome's old account. But there was a, he posted a picture of him shaking Fred Hampton Jr.'s hand like it was a big deal, like for Rome and for like all of us, actually. We're like, wow, someone was able to someone. One of us was able to go. And so then after that, when Rome got back to Detroit, Rome got Rome got COVID. So I remember that, too. So then so Rome was down for the count for like a couple of days after that encounter. But like I said, it was on the path for that to happen. But then people like Jared jumped in it was like these people are making money off your dad's name and da, da, da. we want to make no fucking money and that's the thing that people like we've talked about that before oftentimes like on the show but the thing is those videos the fred hampton videos are still on the rbn channel all you got to do is go on our channel and sort from oldest from um, excuse me sort make oldest at the top and you can see all the fhl videos and you can see when people join so you, you'll see like back when we were using Haps TV, you'll see when I joined, when Meg joined, when um, Afini joined, Kamali, like Josana, you'll see when all these different people had joined. So those that stuff, that information is still there. Okay. Go ahead. Um, uh, yeah. So I'm going to start with the AOC thing. Uh, one thing that bothered me uh, in the AOC interview she said that she voted against Iron Dome. I'm pretty sure. Didn't she vote for almost everything Israel got? It was like Rashida was the only one that didn't do any. That didn't vote for for Israel. I Il think um, Ilhan oh. Ilhan did not vote for the Iron Dome. AOC, um, y'all don't remember? Remember when she was crying? That was the Iron Dome vote. Remember that? She yeah. voted present. I think she voted present. Yeah. What about other funding for Israel? That I'm not sure about. I'd have to look up. Okay. So I was wondering for all three of them because I'm I I, I want to say uh, AOC is probably the sneaky one because she knows she's like the star of the Justice Democrat. Therefore, nothing will happen to her because she's probably got a shoe in to become I don't know next Pelosi. Um. Yeah. Remember, part of the the game they play is that they allow them to have. To, to vote against certain things at different times when, when they know that their vote isn't going to change the outcome. And when their vote is going to change the outcome, like the Capitol Police one and whatnot, then they crack the whip and they all get in line. But but they let them have these like symbolic votes where, where they could say, I voted against that. I voted. Yeah. But, you know, it was only because Mama Bear let them do that. They, they, they strategized. They worked it all out. And notice that they're strategizing and working it all out for the interests of Israel, the MIC, the billionaires, and the squad never strategized and put pressure on as a group for our interests. But we've all clued on to that now. Yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, I think that, um, you know, and that's something, too, that I was really good at with last year, paying attention to how people voted on certain pieces of legislation. Um unfortunately like the past i feel like the past two actually the past couple of months it seems like things have just kind of stalled or 
there's this big issue over the speakership now, which I'm going to cover that on Thursday. Um, so there's been a lot of attention focused on that. Driving but, um, without a speaker. How <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. I got to I got to agree. I got to agree with uh, the libertarian uh, uh, Robin when she said, you know what? As long as they're paralyzed, that means they can't do bad shit to us. <laughs> so keep it going. No speaker. Really? <laughs> that is, cool. That's a good point. I think about that. Uh, anything else, Ashura? Yeah, I'm just going through the entire, the entire thumbnail. Uh, when it comes to Richie Torres and um, <laughs> um, Ilhan Omar, doesn't it sound weird to you when Ilhan Omar quickly burst into that with that answer? It reminded you that 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 ad they did uh, for Katrina, and then you got Kanye West coming. Joe, ba- uh, George Bush hates black people. It, it reminds me <laughs> like that. Yeah, because the question was asked towards Ayanna Presley. And when she quickly answered, I'm like, wait, was the question for her or Ayanna Presley? Because it seemed like it was for Ayanna Presley, and she just busted out of there. You, you know what? How many do you want? Huh? How many want? How many do you want? Two thousand? Four thousand? <laughs> it's like, wait, how many do you want? And it reminds me, oh shit, this is like Kanye West, Judge Bush, Judge Bush hates black people, and you got uh, Ayanna Presley. It's like, it's like Chris Tucker. Please donate, please. Yeah, it ends like this is my lane. <laughs> Um, I was, I was just gonna say, uh, I didn't think about it like that, but that's a good point, Ashura, because like, yeah, like, the person giving the speech was Ayanna Presley at that point in time. <laughs> so, <laughs> just hijacked the, the stage. <laughs> hijacked the goddamn thing, and the Richard Torres, man, what a fucking liar that dude is. What a slimeball. He basically used identity, his identity and his blackness to, to basically say he's pro-Israel. It's like Cory Booker that oh, there's this weird slimy fucking video on RBN about Cory Booker, where he's talking about oh my god, as a black man, we should defend Israel. I, I I'll give my life against white supremacy. I'm like, dude, you send money to fucking Ukraine. So what, Cory what? Booker, Cory Booker is an establishment shill. I actually saw him in person. I don't know if I told you guys this. I saw him in person in New Hampshire when he was running for president because we were doing this thing we were trying to do this thing and then there were storms that prevented this from happening but we were trying to do this thing where for 2020 our goal was to try to make it to new hampshire because that's where everybody goes which is the closest to me to see every presidential candidate that was our goal and i was actually going to write about this before i had like my show but i was going to write about each one right after we saw cory booker And there was a guy in the audience that said, you know what? You remind me a lot of Barack Obama. And when Barack Obama came to New Hampshire, he's saying all the things that you're saying right now. And he turned out to be a nothing burger. And you know what? That guy's statement to this day still resonates with me. It was an older guy that he saw right through the bullshit that Cory Booker was saying. Right through it. How long did it take you to basically see through Cory Booker? Oh, that was it. Okay. That, that was it. Like, okay. like at that, at that, at that town, at that meeting, that town hall, when that guy said that, I was like, oh. Okay. So I thought maybe you, 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 you probably saw through him like two years ago. 
Because I, I, even that guy was like, compare him with Obama. Obama's more slick on his bullshit, and you, you, you believe it. But when this guy tries to do it, he's doing his what the fuck did he call it? His Spartacus moment. And that shit, I'm like, yo, bro, you're doing theater. Go, 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 join, go join the theater because I can see right through you. He was the fakest. Like, well, I'll say uh, the people we saw him and Kamala, him and Kamala. Like I said, we didn't end up getting to see everybody because of the storms. So, like, even when we saw Kamala, it had, it was like it was starting to storm on the way home. I mean, snowstorms on the way home. But him and Kamala Harris were the fakest ones that I saw. Like, they were Kamala was just very much manufactured. Um, you could tell that she was saying what she was told to say. Cory Booker, I felt like he was putting on a show. Like, it was very, it was just very fake. So, unfortunately, we didn't get to see, oh, no, we did go see Bernie. We saw Bernie, though, but see, Bernie went everywhere. So, Bernie came to Boston, so we were able to see him in Boston. And, like, I believed what Bernie said, and I thought Bernie... Like, unlike the other ones, I didn't feel like his speech was fake. I didn't feel like it was performative. I felt like it was the real deal. And uh, so this goes to show you how a lot of these politicians can just fool you. First, Cory Booker, the corporate hooker. Two, um, you also have to take a look at how Kamala got to where she was and how she... um, was able to elevate to the position that she elevated to. Okay? Remember Mayor Willie Brown, the, the guy that looks like the frog from Courageous Cat and Minute Mouse, right? He don't look like no frog. Stop, Roger. <laughs> if you watch that 1960s cartoon, Courageous Cat and Minute Mouse, okay? He looks like the frog with the cigar, yeah? Okay? So when that's the way you come up, okay, then that's the way you're going to go down. I'm not going to even entertain that one because I've heard that story before. So let me get to Hillary Clinton. I thought the Hillary Clinton one, I almost thought it was Jose that was there because I would love to see how Jose would have done it. It would have been more shouting, more screaming at Hillary Clinton. But I got the guy did his did it did his job um, very calmly at Hillary Clinton. She didn't buy the bullshit. It was the second Hillary Clinton that was like fucking unnerving. What the? What have you done? We've sacrificed our lives, our careers, really. I'm like, this woman was is a paid shell, and then you got Hillary. She's gonna give you advice how to uh, how to basically do do peace. How to, how, and then he brings up uh, the fact there's an African that it's LGBTQ. I was like, okay, here we go, here we go. We both know they don't give two shits about LGBTQ. That's basically the go-to word to get the fuck out of the room because it's going to be bullshit all along. Yeah, I know. Um, so Jose, for the, those that don't know, like Jose like and his friends, so they, they rotate. So like sometimes Jose may go, sometimes someone else may go, right? So um, And I think that's smart because, you know, after a while people get used to seeing Jose and as soon as he shows up, there's been times where he's been turned away from events because people have gotten used to uh, his face um, just from the videos that have gone viral. So just just FYI. I'm surprised Jose basically stuck to it after he lost his job. I mean, I guess I guess he doesn't care. He's just going at him. 
I mean, if, the, if, 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 if what he's doing was a professional job, I mean, I'd pay Jose. Just go fucking. Troll <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should just do that. Go fund me for Jose. Just go troll those people. If you're gonna lose a job, we'll just go fund you to go do it. I would. I would. T- you know what? He'll be good at that. Jose will be killing it. Like, um, but I want to bring in um Noel um because I know I said I was gonna go to you. What's up, Noel? Um, good evening, everybody. Um, uh, there is a lot. I wanted to start with um, a quick digression back to the situation between um, BPM and you guys. Um, I listened to a part of it Saturday, and I must say that I found it deeply lamentable. Um, There is, I think Kim was summing it up best when she said there's a misunderstanding between the platforms um and all to the points that i listened i couldn't help but think that this should have been handled off air um it was painful to hear um nick you know spout out all this venom and you know all the expletives and this and that and i could just feel the pain um But the reality is there is a difference in maturity amongst the players. And, you know, the people um, on BPM, generally speaking, have careers and have had careers other than what they're doing on this platform thing. So this is like an addition to what they have been doing in their professional lives, yada, yada, yada. Um, and I see where, you know, the people on, you know, RBN, they're building this thing and they have a different, um, like Kim suggested, there's a different approach and there's a different connectivity to the grassroots. And so there's just a different flavor. Um, I can understand where, you know, the people at RBM may f- RBN feel that there was a type of slight or dismissiveness, but I think there is a call to a different type of professionalism and a different type of poise. Um, You know, one of the reasons I think your platform directly, Sabby, has grown ahead of RBN is because you have a type of professional preparation. And that carries a long way in terms of building these independent media spaces. Um, RBN otherwise is a different set of circumstances, but I would, I have, I wanted and I was urging and praying for the high road, you know, because it always takes two. And, you know, when you say, you know, we had been hearing things and we had just been kind of letting things slide and this and that. I think it would have been wise to see if you could arrange for a platform to platform discourse behind the scenes um, so that the quote unquote elders in the space could have heard firsthand the impact that some of the things they were saying were having on the um, new people in terms of not just the space, 
but this whole type of organizing thing. And I think it could have been solved because I think there was some respect um, to be had and grown. So I found the whole thing deeply lamentable. And I do hope, you know, for the sake of our people and the information that you all provide and share, that there can be a building or a patching of the breach. Um, I know when people are hurt, it is more difficult to reach beyond the breach, the breaches and the breaks to build. But I hope in time, um, cooler heads can prevail. Because and the other thing I was thinking is that. Well, well let, let me say let me say this really quick for people who may not be aware. There have been multiple attempts to come together behind the scenes about this. So, for example, for those who don't know, JB actually sent out an invite. This was weeks ago, sent out an invite to all black media, mainly independent media, obviously independent media people for us to do a Zoom meeting, private, not streamed to talk about like how to come together as black people in the space because there are so few of us. He sent this to every black. So there are some who I will tell you rejected it. Um, and but black power media was invited. And apparently they don't seem to be interested in doing that. See, this is the thing like those things that did happen. Nick contacted every single every one of them that he had access to via dm so i know he contacted kamau i know he contacted two black i know he contacted uh katanji i think he contacted kim as well before that outburst happened on rbn he contacted them privately so just fyi guys like that was done they didn't want to do it and in that case, I can appreciate that. I still think the online outbursts gripe session um, was a display of a lack of professionalism and a lack of decorum. Um, because the reality is everybody has their separate platforms and you do what you do. And so, you know, in terms of maturity, in, in, in a professional maturity, I mean, you don't, you know, come on and have these rants where you are saying some just some really, really ugly stuff. Right, and like, like what stuff, Noel? Because they, they've been you, saying it's Sabrina, you know the things that Nick said, some of the things with all the expletives and the this and the that was just, I just found it abhorrent. But like I say, I'm older. Um, and I see things differently and it's just like, you know, I felt there was an extreme amount of sensitivity personal. It seemed as if Nick was taking everything so personal. And on the other hand, you hear the people like come out saying, listen, I don't even really know these people. And I'm, what I hear him to be saying is, I don't know this man personally. I only know this platform, the platform stuff. So for you to be saying some of the things he was saying, especially about Jared and, you know, this MF and old and da-da-da-da, I'm like, ooh, goodness. But 
again, I could hear that Nick was hurt. And I understand that. But when I am hurt, I understand that I need to show some restraint until I can bring myself together because there is a public persona that you all are building and creating. And I would, you know, I would think if you would look back at this 10 years from now, if you're still doing these things and look back and say, wow, you know, that I don't think every emotion that we have, especially when we are injured, is the space for a public forum. You know, because in time you'll think things through and it's just about, like I say, poise and professionalism. But that's, you know, that was just my comment. I just found it very hurtful because I have respect for what each platform presents. And I have a deep respect for the work that everybody is doing. And so I just, you know, like I say, I thought it was lamentable. But on to the um, other topics you know, this situation in Palestine, as it is occupied by Israel, I think is really could be a flashpoint because I cannot believe that the people who have lived in that region of the, the world for centuries are going to watch this segment of the Palestinians be subjected to a genocide in real time. I just don't think they're going to see that, but in the broader picture and not respond to it. But in the picture, I say to myself, who are we as Americans? And what are we pushing and promoting? If we have not learned anything, we know that as Marvin Gaye said, war is not the answer. And when I think of the role that America plays in being the biggest purveyor of violence and militarism on the planet, period, I just cannot think that there is not at some point going to be a repercussion. And because what we put out in the world will eventually come back to us. And I'm thinking the momentum of whatever it is, is going to be really, really tragic. Um, when I consider the protests that we see around the world and the magnitude, it says to me that as the masses, we are no more than a second thought to the people who we are in different ways allowing to so-called lead us. They refuse to hear us. They refuse to contend with the points that we're making. They misrepresent us. And I just see that as a real big problem. Um, and I just, you know, when I think about this nation and how it educates, quote unquote, its citizenry and the amount of propaganda that's spun up into the historical narrative that they have made available, which, you know, bears very, a very slight semblance to the truth. I think we are all in a precarious place. Clearly, they have lost control of the narrative. But also equally as clear, they're not willing to lose control. And I think, you know, as we see the um, IDF and what they're doing in terms of trying to control that physical situation. And I consider the building of cop cities in this country, knowing that the objective will be to control the masses here when the fact that they have lost control of the narrative bears fruit. So. You know, 
I see this as a very unique space and I appreciate it deeply because we are able to share our different perspectives on what is going on in our reality. Um, but I realize also that this is unique in that most Americans, the vast majority of working class and poor Americans do not contemplate or engage in these types of examinations and interrogations of what's going on in the political realm nearly enough to understand the great risk that we are in and the jeopardy that awaits us. And I just, you know, and I like, again, I say I am older, but my heart is heavy because I know this can slip off and turn into something that no one is really bargaining for. And and there's going to be a lot of chaos and confusion. So I've been, you know, looking deep within and really being prayerful because I think we are running out of a type of time. So um, that's just kind of what was on my heart. And I want and I appreciate the opportunity to share my thoughts in this way. Thank Thanks so much, Noel. Um, I'm going to play, uh, where am I? Oh, listen to this part, guys. So this is something very telling about um, what Noel was saying about the the demeanor. This is something that Kim Kim said that I thought is interesting. It's a performative yelling thing. But see, I, 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 want, I want to give them a little bit more grace than that. Because like I said, I, when I watched them Saturday, I didn't get performative. Was it loud? Was it scathing? Was it profane lace? Yeah, but I felt above all, it was sincere. You know, I, I didn't feel it was, I didn't feel it. I mean, Nick was cussing us the fuck out. And I believe he meant every word of that shit. Like, I didn't think that he was putting on. And I could see how it could perhaps come across that way. Listening to Savvy yell. I mean, I've been on Savvy show a number of times. I've watched her show. I've never heard her raise her voice in that way. I have never heard her express anger in that way. So what I heard from them was sincere. I'm going to say anger, frustration, disappointment, and hurt. Anger, frustration, and what? We've not done anything. I'm going to tell you, because I was listening. Yeah, I'm listening. I'm I'm listening. listening. You know what I'm saying? They was really hurt, I think, by Jared's admission of going to Chairman Fred Jr. and and putting, like, the word out about the Fred Hampton leftists. So I'll just go ahead and stop it there. So the thing is, is that what Kim said there, and I think this was something CJ mentioned later on. First of all, like for me to like for me to get that way on stream, like I I on it like genuinely feel really, really hurt. Because I really trusted because the thing is, is like I've known Kim longer than the rest of them. So Kim used to come onto my show back when I had Hell, I want to say when I had 6,000 subs, this is how far this goes back. So that's the thing. Like, and Kim is coming to my show like multiple times, came up to RBN. Like, so we've known Kim, Kim has been the one we've known the longest, right? So the thing is, is like, I think that's what they don't understand. Like what Kim was just saying is like, I feel like we were stabbed in the fucking back, man. Like, because I don't, I don't expect this type of behavior from my elders. I expect this type of behavior from people who are younger than me, to be honest. 
And so I get where you're coming from, Noel, about like the outbursts and stuff like that. I totally get where you're coming from. But I knew the moment like when Nick reached out privately and they were just like, nah, that's when I knew I was like, you know what? Nick is going to rip them to shreds because the thing is, is like, if you're going to be bold enough to tell lies about people and they've been doing this for a while, then when Nick comes to you and steps to you like a man and says, let, you know, let's do this and you run and hide, you show your hand. Renee did the same thing to me. I went on to Marcus's show later on that night because Marcus was bringing it up and I said, Renee was in the chat while I was on the show. And I said, Renee, you're welcome to come on and have this conversation with me face to face. Instead of on Twitter and instead of on other outlets, you're welcome to come on and have a face to face. So she responds in the live chat and says, okay, I'm coming on. I said, great, let's do this. Then time goes by. And Marcus is like, Renee, are you coming on or what? You said you were coming. Then she finally responds. I was on there for like 40 minutes. She finally responds and says, I decided I'm not going to come on. And so you know what I said? I said, you know what? You just revealed yourself. Because you have been lying about RBN for years. And we said nothing to, this is what you guys got to understand. We ignored the fuck out of this woman for two years. When she was smearing us and lying on us, telling people, she's on Black Power Media telling people we told people to vote for Donald Trump. We never did that. Never. She's on Black Power Media telling people that we got a cease and desist letter. from. No, we did not. This woman is a liar. So I had blocked Renee just to get her the fuck out of my damn mentions. Because even when you mute someone, they still come up in your mentions. So I had blocked this woman. Moved her out of my fucking life. And she just, she just won't fucking go away. And so to me, it's just like, I'm like, look, I know when I said this on Marcus show, you hop from organization to organization. This woman volunteered for brand new Congress, MPP, socialist alternative. Now, I don't know if she really with the Green Party or not, but her her uh, comrade Camilla is. They both fucking infiltrators and ops. I've heard about that. She was a part of also a volunteer for Rain Cooperative. See, I've, I've talked to people that have been in groups with her. So I know so much about how she infiltrates these groups. And then basically she's the, the CIA tactic, the one that says tries to stall the progress so that nothing happens. That's what she does. So the thing is, is like, then for her to blatantly lie and say they wouldn't bring me on to talk about MPP. So as Nick proved Saturday, that was completely false because you were the first fucking guest, you idiot. She was the first guest. So this woman is an op. And like I said, to Black Power Media, my recommendation to them is to get as far away from her as fucking possible. Because she was totally fine with RBN too. She totally fine with the group until you move in a way that she don't think you should move or you do something that she recommended against. Then she turns on you and then she starts smearing you. How are you still talking about how MPP did you wrong two years later, bitch? How are you still talking about this? Am I wrong? Like, come on. Do you know MPP? 
would fade away into fucking existence if Renee and some of these other volunteers that worked for MPP, if they didn't still continue to bring MPP up on Twitter and other people's shows, people would forget about MPP and they would forget about Nick Brana and they would fade away. But they can't disappear because Renee keeps bringing them back up. Everybody knows, we know MPP is not a political party. You don't need to tell people that no more. I just have two comments and um, I'll be brief. Um, restraint is the better part of valor. And I think the restraint that you all demonstrated in the months that you let stuff slide was the correct approach. Because at the end of the day, the works that you have done will speak for you. And all of the stuff that all of the naysayers, because there may be more along the way or this and that, but let the works that you have done speak for you. And then the final thing I'll say is, if you don't feed it, it won't grow. You have made your advisory about Renee to um, BPM. If they get stung or whatever happens, that's a whole different universe. And that's that. But if you don't feed into the negative energy, it does not grow. Your subs have been growing by leaps and bounds because the work you are doing speaks for you. And along the line, you know, we all have we endure some things, but that grows us stronger for the road ahead and it prepares us. And that's where we gain the poise and composure to go on to the next thing and let, let the naysayers fall by the wayside because you're clearly focused and you know about what you're doing. So do it. Like I say, I could feel the hurt coming from Nick, especially. And I just think, you know, that do, it doesn't improve the space. Um, but that's all I that's a good point. Anything else, I'm sure. And I'll yeah, go to cool. finish my two other uh, topic mentions. <clears throat> the thing about uh, Jake Uger running, I can't believe he's still on that bullshit. <laughs> he's not going to win. In fact, they won't. They won't even have him. I think it was uh, Kit Cabello did a video about how Jake Uger pulled an Elizabeth Warren on one of his uh, some kind of form to run for president. And, 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 and there's a part that says, um, "Are you native? Uh, are you native to America?" He scratched that shit out with on on hand with his own fucking fingers, basically written down, uh, "No, I'm I'm native. I'm, I'm native American." And no. Fucking... Yes, he fucking he did that. Like Kid did a a, a morning stream on that. Like, I think Roger basically is always there every morning. Kid did a. Did the, you can go check on Kid's YouTube channel. Jake literally basically scratched that part out to ask if you're a Native American, and he basically scratched either the word other and just put native, and then he said yes. And then they contacted him, and then he basically had to correct it, but and those people just rejected him. So he's not going to run. So I'm surprised he was on Kakalinski's show with Crystal. I'm like, oh, so, so I knew it was a matter of time before... Kyle wanted to go back on TYT. So it was just a uh, fucking speeder because as Kit Cabello said about uh, Kyle, he's not a leader. Kyle's just a follower. Yeah. Well, everybody's not a leader. 
I, I will say that like everybody can't be leaders, right? But but I didn't know that. Okay, uh, so I'll have to check that because that's that's interesting. If um, Jinky Girl did that, I have yeah. to check like kids' um, show. I don't get to watch them in the morning. Yeah, he did. The clip is on. The clip is on today. I'm pretty sure it's the it's that one. It's the current Jink one. It, it was it's just ridiculous. Like he pulled on Elizabeth Warren and just said, "It's like when Elizabeth Warren said she was Native American." to get that job at Harvard, and he did the same thing on the forum just to get himself on the forum, but they fucking know he's not American. So they contacted him, and then he had to correct that shit, and I don't think they're gonna let him run. So you're talking about um, yesterday's show about yeah. Nevada? Yeah, yeah. Well, something about he he basically go on, went on a forum, and he, 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 he basically altered the forum. Yeah, I think that might have been yesterday's show. I mean, like, I wasn't really paying attention because I was, like, half asleep. But, um, you know, like, but usually anything with Jank, I kind of, like, tune out. So I wasn't really, I just knew that he was doing a story on Jank got kicked off the ballot in Nevada. But Yeah, I, yeah, because, really... yeah, he altered the form. Like, that. that's fucking illegal. I don't know why he's not fucking in jail, some shit. Okay, so I'm I'm going to have to watch that show with Kit because I I'm gonna have to watch that. I know about that. Uh, it, that's probably have to be a, a jank update. <laughs> I don't mind having another jank video. I just got an update. For, I got an update for you, uh Sabrina. What's that? Richard Roundtree died. No I just saw my, uh, I just saw um, a friend had text me. Shaft? Yeah. Shut your Damn. mouth. Okay. Oh, man. We might have to play the Shaft song at the end of the show. Who's the man? Da, da, da. Shaft? You damn right. That sucks. Oh, we can't live forever. All right, let me bring in Cool Blue. He's been waiting a minute, Ashura. Ashura, I'll make you a speaker. Okay. All right. Um, what's up, Cool Blue? You're in the house. What's going on? Just got to unmute. Oh, I pressed wrong cool. one. There you go. I'm not here often enough, so I make that mistake. <laughs> How are you doing? How are everybody doing? Good. How are you? All right. Um, you know, there's so much I got to make sure that I'm focused in saying what I want to say. There's a few points I want to hit at, but I'm going to try and make them brief rather than I want to mention that I want to thank you for the this recent clip that you had uh, commenting in response to David Pakman. Uh, one of the one way I describe him, and I hope you don't take offenses i i consider him to be a creep oof uh do explain <laughs> that he is absolutely an obnoxious and very uh well <laughs> as the definition goes part of it goes an obnoxious and unpleasant person he um he is somebody who I don't even, not even if I wanted to be entertained in an ironic way, would I check out his video, any of them. So when, when somebody like you does the work, I'm like looking at it as somebody who's 
making a sacrifice. And I appreciate you for being able to take that risk and be so generous to do that because I just find him to be absolutely repulsive. So when it comes to what else I want to touch on, I want to recommend a video and it's from a gentleman, of course, you've had him on his, on your show as the guest. It's Garland Nixon. And he has an interesting video that he published on YouTube on October 14, titled The Middle East Powder Keg Explodes. And he, he talks about, obviously, Israel, Hamas. And one of the things that he mentioned that I thought is interesting is that He's thinking through the trajectory of all this with Prime, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu's work is that what's going to eventually happen is that Israel is going to actually become uninhabitable. What do you mean? Well, wait, don't you know what? Don't tell me. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to go watch it. I'll tell you this. The duration of the video is one hour, eight minutes. And I find Garland Nixon to be very astute. I can't, I need to watch him even more and more and more and more. You know what I mean? And um, I also want to mention that when it comes to black power media, I actually wasn't familiar with them. So I tried paying attention. I, I, I was there to tune in the live stream with Revolutionary Blackout Network when you folks tackled the issue of them this past weekend. One thing one person on there that I was able to recognize was Jacqueline Lukman. And, and this had to do with the Rage Against the War uh, machine, Rage Against the War rally machine. I'm forgetting the exact words. That was actually held Sunday, February 19. I called your show once right around that time, and I basically said the thing to do for people who were uh, disapproving of doing that rally was just to go ahead anyway, regardless of whether people feel they approve. Now, she, I came across her writing that was published to Black Agenda Report. And frankly, it lowered my respect for Black Agenda Report that they even published it because I knew it was just a crock. And part of the reason is because I recognized that in, this, in the history of this nation, when you're going to achieve anything that's for the better people and you got to protest to do it, you're, you're not going to do it with a club. You're going to do it with a coalition of people, mass numbers of people. And I felt that Jacqueline Lukman and then any number of people who I, now I, this was the first time I came across her, but any of the number of people that I used to like tune in on YouTube or whatever, they were also expressing opposition. And anybody that I would read, like World Socialist website, them too, any of them expressing opposition to it, I thought to myself, well, I reached a conclusion about them. What I came to the conclusion is, is that they represent, as I describe it, go nowhere, get nowhere, be nowhere form of politics. And, you know, now that I got to see this this past weekend about Revolutionary Blackout Network showing what has become of black power 
media, it, it feels like a lot of this has become crystal clear to me more about like reconciling a face that I saw, but read in read online. And to describe them as toxic is one thing. I basically describe them as people you got to write off. I've been doing this since 2016 after WikiLeaks reported the DNC emails and that there were some people who I used to trust, like the Young Turks, and David Pakman was one of them, where they turned around like just a few short weeks after the reveal in late July 2016, the weekend prior to the convention being held in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, they turned around and said, we're voting for Hillary Clinton in the general election anyway. So right at that point, I wrote them off and I have found 2016 to the present year, 2023, period of seven years and eight consecutive elections. I've been deciphering who I can tell has one foot in the door of the Democratic Party, and then those who are just outright Democrats, like Kyle Kalinske and anybody else you want to name, like Mike Figueroa of the Humanist Report, David Dole from Canada of his Rational National, and I just, you know, like a list of people that I once trusted, just crossing them off one by one by one by one. And the good thing that's come of it is that I'm 52 years old. I'm grateful I'm able to recognize this and respond accordingly. And then the other thing is, it's less of my time being wasted. If I had ever watched Black Power Media, which they might as well call the Democratic Party's Black Power Media operation, I would have felt bad about spending as much time. But I didn't, but I didn't watch them at all. So... What you folks at Revolutionary Blackout Network covered this past weekend of BPM, I'm grateful. It's I didn't waste any time with them. I'll, I'll go ahead and leave it to you. Thank you, Cool Blue. Uh, my my perception is that they weren't a part of the Democratic Party. Leroy, by the way, I'm inviting you to speak, but you got to accept it. Um, that they weren't a part of the Democratic Party is that, you know, they are pretty critical of Biden, just like we are. That, that was the perception, you know, of the Democrats like we are. That's the perception that I got um, from when I have watched them. But, um, yeah, I mean, I'm just is I'm, I'm honestly just really disappointed and it just kind of makes me feel some kind of way. And honestly, it's made me, you know, not want to have to deal with this again with anyone in this space. And that's why I just, you know, when I said like, I will never extend my hand again, like I meant that, like obviously not in reference to organizing and mutual aid, but in reference to like independent media, nah, man, I'm not doing that again. Cause I, I just feel, I don't know. I guess now I see why some people in, you know, independent media just kind of keep to themselves and do their own thing. It's just, I don't know. Like, I, I just feel, I feel disrespected and I feel slighted. Like, but, well, but it's not even just that. It's, it's sneakiness to me that bothers me. Like, for him to have done that, it's just like, like, why did you do that? Like, why did you, when we want to talk about like people talking behind the scenes and not going to, you know, uh, live streaming, 
for the past couple months, they have been coming after us on live streams mm -hmm. instead of coming to our face. This goes all the way back to the part when Jared Ball decided to go to Fred Hampton Jr. instead of just reaching out to us himself. He never even tried. He didn't want to. And it's not just us. This has happened with other people. Danny Haifong, if you guys go back and watch the stream, Danny Haifong was in the chat. He came yep. after Danny Haifong. And Danny Haifong wanted to resolve it privately. Jared didn't want to. He's not the only one. There was another time I saw on stream when he came after Aaron Mate and he revealed private DMs, discussing private DMs that Aaron Mate sent him. Why would you reveal that on the live stream? Why didn't you just have the conversation with him privately? So it was very clear that's not what they that's not what he wanted to do. Yeah, um, I'll just say that it's better to wake up than to not wake up at all. You'd like to wake up sooner, but at least you woke up to them, uh, what they are and who they are. I'm going to hang up so that I can allow for other people to have the opportunity. But I'm glad to call in and take care, Sabrina, everybody as well. Take care. Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay, let's bring in Tiffany with the puppy in the crown. Puppy in the crown, puppy in the crown. All right, Tiffany, you are on the mic. What's going on? Hello, can you hear me? I can hear you. Okay, I was just going to talk about um, what's going on over in Israel and um, Palestine. And I was just, it breaks my heart the way that people see it. Um, and the division of it all. Um, the saddest part is um, even in the healthcare sector, like right now they're begging for nurses and doctors to go. And we had a conversation at our hospital because they were looking for like specialists who can go over. But when they discussed it, it was never for Palestine, for Palestinians. It was only for, you know, the Israelis and we were all like in shock like so you're only willing to help one side you know um so they got a lot of resistance from that um but it was just really sad because we don't look at people like that we look at people in the sense of if you need help you need help you know there's no dis well for the most part um most of us you know especially when, cause we're in pediatrics. So when you're thinking about children, you're not thinking about sides. You're thinking about helping kids. I'm almost in tears cause it breaks my heart. Um, already knowing how bad it is. And then it was almost like an insult to us to come to us to think that it would be okay. You know, that it would be okay to be like, oh, okay, we're going to help this person and not this person. We're going to help these children, but not these children. And um, a lot of the nurses and even the doctors were crying. Like, are you serious? Is this the way that you guys thought you were going to come to us to ask us if we will be willing to volunteer to go there? Because they're willing to waive, you know, all the rules of, you know, going overseas and working. Um, if nurses or doctors would be willing to go over there and, and um, the pay is, is crazy, like high. 
And I mean, they're going to get people because it's a lot of pay involved, but you're going into a dangerous situation. But it, it just broke our hearts that the separation part of it all, you know, I, I just, it breaks my heart when I'm thinking about children, you know, regardless to what the situation is. Um, I don't think you guys need to separate that part of it. I don't think that, you know, children should be the victims of anything, you know, when it comes down to helping them. It, it just, it broke our hearts. And I just, you know, a lot of people don't know that that's going on. Um, and I just think that that's something that needs to be said. That comes from our government, though, you know. That comes from the way that our government sees them. And that's that's the saddest part. You know, it's like one side is animals that need to die and the other side are, you know, oh, they're victims of circumstances. No, no, no. At the end of the day, in the healthcare sphere of it all, we see it as people that need help. We don't see the sides. I don't. And a it's lot of crazy too because like with the medical community like uh, you know it was like a medical professional like the they're supposed to help everybody yes and that that's what that's what so <laughs> that's what hurts um and we had that meeting today and it was the saddest and that's why i'm hoarse and voice because people are literally like crying like are you serious this the way you come to us, you know, um, it hurt, it hurt. And, you know, being a nurse, I've been in this field now for, well, 26 years. So for me personally, it was like a punch in, in the stomach, you know, to hear our government say this, because this wasn't like hospital. This is our government coming to us. This is crazy. We specialize um, in a certain field. So it was our government, you know, it was our government um, coming to us and wanting us to almost say pick a side, you know, and, and I can't do that when it comes to children. I'm not going to do that. Never. You know, I love the Palestinians. I don't think that anybody should be hurting them the way that they are. You know, it's like for you to say, oh, it's because of Hamas. It's like saying like, if we have gangbangers in one city, that the whole country, you know, should be held accountable for that. No, there are innocent people being killed and there are innocent children. I work with children who are very sick. And when I hear this, it just breaks my heart when I see the videos, when I see all of that, it breaks my heart. When I saw that hospital being bombed, it broke my heart because there's doctors who specialize that could help kids. There are kids over there who are dying of cancer, who can't yep. get treatment, who can't they get can't, no treatment. They can't even get the, the permission to leave Gaza to go right. to the hospitals in Israel that can give them the better treatment. See, that's the other thing that um, uh, Anya Parampil that she revealed mm -hmm. um, when she was covering, when she was in Gaza and she was at RT, that was one of the things that she revealed through one of the woman's stories that her husband 
had cancer and that he needed to go to the hospital in, in Israel, obviously, because they have, again, they have more advanced equipment to get treated. And the state of Israel denied the permission for him to leave Gaza just to go to the hospital to get the treatment. And next thing you know, her husband passed away. Right. Right. If there's so much going on, you know, to know, and, and I'm just saying, um, I know how hospitals are set up and I know how they're ran. And to know that you blew up a whole hospital, <laughs> it breaks my heart because we think about like, you know, maybe the people who just got hurt. But we're not thinking about the people who were in that hospital already fighting for their lives. We're not thinking about the people who are there, you know, just to be safe. Um, we have patients. I have patients that come in the hospital. They're not sick. They just, it's a safe place for them, you know. Um, it breaks my heart. It just breaks my heart because they literally, like, a lot of our staff members went home. They were in tears because we see this stuff every day and we see life and death every day. But when we have to see other things like this happen where people don't even have a chance, they don't have a chance to be saved. That hurts. It hurts like hell. And for us, it just brought us back to like, how bad it was with COVID. You guys didn't see the sights that we saw. So this brought us back to that. So it's almost like taking the scab off really, really soon. Because rather people know it or not, when you're in a healthcare field, when you see things like this happening in the world and you can't help people, it hurts. Because we're people who love to help people. And, you know, I always tell people, if you get in a nursing field or become a doctor for money, you're not going to last long because that's not what the profession is there for. You have to have a heart for that. Um, it's not about the money part. It is solely about who you are as a person and how you want to help. So I just ask that you guys pray for, you know, the healthcare systems all over this world because they're all being approached with this offer. Everybody is being approached. They're looking for over a hundred thousand healthcare people and they're wanting them to be ready as soon as this weekend to leave. So they're serious about it and they're going to get it because there's going to be a lot of young people who are looking at the money because the money it's a lot. It's a lot. Um, it's probably what we make in about two to three years. They're going to make that. It's a lot of money being offered, but it's not worth it. Like when you think about what has to happen and what's going to happen. I, I just, just pray for the healthcare industry, pray for the people there. And, um, and Tiffany, I just wanted to offer a special prayer because for those people who take this offer because of the financial ramifications, there is no way they can be prepared for what they will step into and witness. Exactly. And 
you know, the one thing that I realize is that in these types of crisis where we are dealing with inhumanity, mm-hmm. it is our humanity that is on the line. We're all being pushed into this space right. and everybody is suffering. And when yeah. I see those pictures, my heart breaks for the medical professionals in Palestine yeah. who are trying to do their best and see a un ending flow of people coming in broken and destroyed and for Israel to control the air, the water, the flow of supplies, and they've cut all this off. There is no way anybody can argue anything other than an extermination. That is exactly what this is. And for us to be a part of a nation that not only witnesses, but promotes and advances this cause. There is really a type of psychological something that I think happens to all of us. Right. And it's just, you know, my heart has been so heavy in ways that I have not even been able to wrap my mind around. But deep within me, I sense that something fundamentally is shifting Mm -hmm. and I just can't understand the magnitude of it. But I stay in a type of constant prayer over all of this. And I pray for you and the people who are being petitioned to serve in this way for an objective that has no good end. Right. If anybody needs additional medical assistance, it is the people trapped, and I mean trapped, in Gaza. It is just, I can't even wrap my mind around it, but I will stay in constant prayer. And I thank you for sharing this level of insight, because those of us who don't work in these professions don't know how our government is acting and moving to facilitate this beyond the you know, financial aid that they keep sending by the billions. I just, I just. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. And it's disgusting because, you know, um, I'm grateful that I do work around um, some great people. Now, I'm I'm not going to lie. It's some people that I know are going to go. I can, I can honestly tell you. I can probably name about 25 of them. They're going to go with the drop of a hat. And it's sad because it will be about money. Um, and they don't care about the Palestinians. They they voice that all the time. Um, but the saddest part about it is this, this. A lot of times people sit around and they don't understand. Um, it's certain fields that you get to see your government move. And you get to see the dirtiness and the nastiness of your government. And unfortunately, healthcare is one of them. Education is another one of them. Um, and in healthcare, we get to, I'm so sorry. We get to see how nasty, dirty they can be to the Americans and how dirty, nasty they can be to the people outside of America. And it hurts. Because for us today, it brought back how nasty they were to you guys during COVID. And how they did not treat you guys like human beings. 
and how we had to watch an enormous amount of people die that didn't have to die. And the same thing is happening over there, and it hurts like hell. I have sat down today with my husband, contemplating if I'd even want to go back to this, because it hurts so bad. And to know that my daughters are going into the same field, they're going to be doctors. And to know that this world is so nasty, dirty, does not care about the human being. It hurts. It hurts like hell. And I'm trying my darnest. I'm trying my darnest. I'm so sorry. Sorry to hear this, (laughs) Tiffany. I think that, um, you know, it's it's really sad, um, I guess, you know, I've I've been accustomed to how black people are treated in the healthcare system, um, particularly black women. And yeah. I, I've been kind of used to that. But, you know, this is very sad. And I appreciate you telling us about this because I was not aware that this was happening in reference to Israel and Palestine. Uh, but it's this is guys, this is very telling. This is what I was saying. Like they don't Think about it, guys. They don't even want everyone to have health care in this country. No. Think about that. They don't want everybody to have the opportunity to get preventative care, to be healthy, to, you know, be able to get early preventative treatment. They don't want everybody to have that. And I've I've been with health insurance and I've been without health insurance. And I can tell you, you are treated very differently when you have insurance versus when you don't have insurance. And so I've been on that other side. Like when I waited tables, I didn't have health insurance. Like the restaurants I worked for didn't offer health insurance. So if you're a waitress, a lot of times, especially if you're waitressing for a mom and pop place and you get sick or whatever, and you have to go to the doctor, like you got to pay out of pocket. Like we, I used to always have to pay out of pocket. Even if I had just a regular physical, I had to pay out of pocket. And so I know how much it costs to go to the doctor if you don't have health insurance just for a fucking physical. And like, these are the things like they don't freaking care about us. And that's why I get so upset when people want to shame people for not wanting to support the Democratic Party. And I'm just like, we, we need something else. Like everybody in this country should be guaranteed health care. And they don't want to give it to everybody because a lot of the politicians are in bed with insurance companies. And as we saw tonight, we have politicians that are in bed with APAC, with the, the, the Israeli lobby. And so these people are never going to be on the right side when it comes to justice uh, for the people or for marginalized groups, even if they are a part of those marginalized groups. And I just want to give y'all just a little more information that you probably don't know. When they started bringing the Ukrainians over here, they don't pay for their medical care. That's free. So whereas you have to fight for insurance here, they don't. Just so you know that. That's exactly why we got to give it to ourselves. Yes. And it has to start with the state's that allow voters to place amendments on the ballot to ratify their own amendments. 
use the initiative process, citizen-led initiative process into their state constitution. It starts with those states and then the non-CBI states like mine will follow. Um, I was, you know, when I was talking to um, Kit, he was telling me about TRICARE because the first time mm-hmm. I heard about it was Nico House had mentioned it some years ago. I think it was, he was talking about like Medicare for All and, and Bernie running and he was supporting Tulsi. And he was like, it's like he, I couldn't understand what he was talking about because he was saying, oh, TRICARE, but then Medicare for All, I will get less than what I'm getting with TRICARE. Mm-hmm. But then, but then at the same time, Kit just said, no, you only get TRICARE if you are an active duty member. Okay. Yes. So what, what happens? So then I asked him, okay, well, how's veteran care? And, and that comes after, and you know, like Sabrina Kit said, it sucks. <laughs> so I was like, I thought it was the same thing. It's like, no, it's not. TRICARE is to make sure that you stay in the military. Okay. So let's, let's take a look at this for a second. Okay. The draft is gone. What they need to do to get you into the military. Okay. First thing, keep you impoverished. Okay. The poverty draft, keep you impoverished. Okay. There are more people serving that are from poor and low working class communities than there are from upper middle class and rich communities. Okay. Cause they, they need that to be like, Hey, yo, you know, we got this stuff for you. Okay. That's the reason why you don't have um, free public colleges and universities anymore. Cause then they use that as a way to say, Hey, you know, like if, if everything started being for free, then who joined the military now with just being told that, Oh no, TRICARE is only for active service duty members. I was like, oh, okay. Now that makes even more sense. Okay. The thing that, like I was saying, was fighting for the wrong thing for all these years. Talk about Medicare for all. It's like, no, we need to be fighting for TRICARE for all. Okay. Just extend what service, active duty service members get to the rest of the population. So then when you get these, now when you get these people, I don't want government health care, the single payer socialist option, blah, 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 blah. Okay, well, um, then I've, I asked them, hey, you served in the military? And if they say yes, I'd be like, okay, well, you were getting that single payer government option called TRICARE. So did you hate it? Did you turn it away? I mean, there was no choice there. There was no private health insurance involved in the, in the military. Okay, so did it suck? Did you turn it away? Did you say, oh, I want choice, I want choice? You feel what I'm saying? So we have to, the New York Health Act is a version of TRICARE because the thing that the New York Health Act does that the, what do you call it, that um, Medicare for All doesn't do, Medicare for All does not outlaw private health insurance companies. But the New York Health Care Act, which is kind of like TRICARE, does outlaw it, outlaw private health insurance company from operating in New York state. Um, if we ever pass it, you know, like, but you know, that's, that's, that's a whole nother thing, but we have to give it to ourselves. Okay. Like these, you know, like, I, you know, let me, let me just say this also. I've seen a lot of people um, 
some of them on here and some of them watched like the different shows who were heartbroken over, um, and some of them that do other shows who were heartbroken over the West thing of like, uh, either because he decided to go independent, which I, me personally, I'm approve of because I don't believe we should have political parties, but that's, that's my a different philosophy. Others were like, you know, like, oh, we took this money from, um, I don't know, Sabrina, you did a show on, he, he took some money from Harlan Crow, whatever the case is. And my thing is this, I've been saying since last year, okay, stop, looking for the politician to come in on a, you know, uh, on a white horse coming to save you. They're not going to save us. We're going to save us. If when you saw when, you know, like when, when Cornell West, you know, like they got busted for, um, for the money thing about something happening in Washington, DC or whatever the case is. And then they, they strike that. And then uh, like a week or two or three weeks later, this thing with when Sabrina did the show on he was taking some Harlan Crow money or whatever the case is. If you were heartbroken by that, then that means that you were not fully consciously, maybe, but you subconsciously, you did not fully wean yourself off of uh, the politician. You're looking for a politician to, to come and save you. When I saw it, I was just like, eh, whatever, it, you know, it like it didn't, it didn't hurt me. It didn't affect me. It didn't, it wasn't like, oh man, shoot, you know, and I'm, damn. I was just like, oh, okay, well, whatever. He's a politician, you know, next, let's keep doing what we're doing, you know, trying to get, trying to get these things, help other states that do have initiative, the initiative, citizen led initiative process to get their thing done. You know what I'm saying? Is the thing is, you got to stay on focus. And if the politician comes along later on and wants to join, okay, you got to get to the back of the line, sir, or or her. Okay, we, we, we're yeah, not letting right. you lead this. We are leading this. Y'all don't know what the sixth letter of the alphabet y'all are doing, okay? We will eventually have to run this government. You know what I'm saying? Like, you'll hear li uh, libertarians and what do you call and conservatives say all the time about, they always talk about the size of government. Oh, the size of government it gets too big. It gets unmanageable. It's corrupt. I know small government that's just as corrupt. My thing is like this. It's not about the size of government. It's who controls the government. Okay. And the simple fact of the matter is we don't control it. Okay. So it's about control. Who controls it? We have to control it. You know what I'm saying? We got to get at least 40 states to be able to place their own amendments on the ballot using a citizen-led initiative process for, so they can ratify their own amendments into their state constitution. Doing laws is not enough because they could come and repeal that without asking you, unlike they would if it was an amendment, a citizen-led amendment that you passed. Yeah, well, one thing I was gonna say is, I think, same thing, Roger, I think that's why I wasn't as, as upset or bothered as some people were because this is not my end game and I wasn't relying on this, right? So like I said, we have the RBN chapters, like we do mutual aid and stuff like that. So that's, that is my base. My base is not who I'm going to vote for next year. And I think if that is your base, then you don't have a solid foundation because the thing is, like I said, election season comes and goes, right? So 
we saw what happened with Bernie too. Like after he lost again in 2020, or excuse me, um, suspended his campaign in 2020, a lot of people were just like, we just lost hope. And that's why you always have to have that base. So people who are organizers, they always have that base to go back to when electoral politics doesn't work the way that you want it to work. Um, Dwayne, give me just a second. Um, okay. Anything else, Tiffany? And then I'm going to go to Pat. Yeah. Um, and just, I, I noticed in the comments, so just, you know, since you guys don't are not aware, um, a lot of people are questioning if Ukrainians can get benefits. Um, just go look up. It's called the Refugee Support Services. That's the program that is set up for them. Just so you know, um, they can get welfare. They can get SSI, which you pay for in your tax money. Um, they are allowed um, health insurance and dental insurance that you probably are not going to get. Mm -hmm. so, just to give you a heads up and who runs that is your U.S. Agency of International Development. So if you don't know, now you know. Um, and that's just straight up. Um, a lot of people, I'm telling you, in the healthcare system, you find out who all the players are and how all the money is being distributed because we have to see it and we have to look at it um, a lot of times. Um, so just if you don't know, now you know, and that's just real. And they are getting it. So the Israelis that come here will get it too. Um, but the Palestinians won't. And that's not fair. So I'm just, that's all I'm saying. Look it up for yourselves. You can see it. It's clear as day. It's not going to be posted all over the news because guess what? They don't want you to know that. That's the part that you're going to have to look for yourselves. But I'm giving you just an insight of what's happening and um, just asking that you just pray for health care all over this world because they're all being approached. Trust me. Trust me. Thank they you so much. You guys Thank have a good so night. Thank um, you. Tiffany. All right, let's bring in um, Pat. Pat, what's going on? You just got to hit the unmute and then I'll go to you, um, Dwayne. Just got to um, unmute Pat. Going once, going twice, going three times. Okay, maybe um, maybe Pat uh, checked out for a second. Let's go to uh, Jay David, and then I'll go to you, Dwayne. What's going on, Jay David? Just got to hit the unmute yep. button. Can you hear me? I can hear you. What's up? Hey, guys. Uh, first time caller, Sabrina. I'm a Boston guy. I live up here in the Merrimack Valley, and I'm a huge follower of RBN and a huge fan of the space. Um, I don't follow too many shows on the mainstream anymore, and if any at all. And you know, I'm so grateful for spaces like your show and RBN and Do Dissidents and Last American uh, Vagabond and even Jimmy. I know he's a kind of a controversial figure, and I get it. Um, you know, relating what's up, Sabrina? Well, first of all, I just wanted to say shout out to the Merrimack Valley. <laughs> oh, all right. All right, what's up? Uh, thanks, girl. Oh, listen, I got uh, I got something to say about Cornell West uh, Rogers Point. I, I, I when I heard about um, you know, the his new donation, Dr. West, I'm kind of used to this right now. I mean, he's as a speaker, he's awesome, but you know, running a candidacy is a whole different ball game. 
And you're right, Roger. I do think people are looking for that white knight to come in. And right now, I think people are desperate for anything. But reality is starting to set in that it's not going to take one candidate. It's going to take maybe for a society to hit its bottom. I think I think so, too. I, I think that um, too many people are putting their faith in one person. Right. And a lot of us went through this with Bernie. Mm. So, yeah, it's just, yeah. We did it with Bill, Obama, Bernie, the squad, and then start to do with Quest. My bad, sorry. No, 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 no. I'm glad you brought it up. Thank, thank you, Roger. And I, and once it, you start to realize when you're at your job or with your family, those who who are part of the the establishment or the pseudo intellectuals that we all work with. You know, just to shed some light of what what is going on here, I'm going through um, a work dispute um, where um, the district I'm working for right now, uh, they want to try to terminate me over some old uh, old posts uh, that they uh, that uh, uh, one of my colleagues, a disgruntled colleague, uh, brought to the administrators and shared with not just the school, but the uh, students, too. And it was, and she's the type of white woman, liberal, you know, a kind of, you know, hangs the rainbow flag, you know, the typical picture of uh, uh, white liberal women supremacy in the classroom, spends the whole day talking about pronouns and what type of spirit animal you are and doesn't have a lesson plan. Oh, uh, I don't think she felt comfortable with me being in the classroom just as a man, you know, as a paraprofessional. So I think she pulled a power play. And now I have to deal with this whole freedom of speech issue with the district for an unlawful potential firing. Like, why would somebody go to that great immature length to get somebody who's dedicated to teaching and being a part of the community? And especially old posts from time when I was in my acting days. A little background, I used to do radio, and a lot of them were skits. And this colleague of mine, who was just, you know, the typical picture of white girl supremacy in the educational system, part of that whole Swifty culture, um, it, you know, takes on issues when it's safe. Um, mm. I, I think she looked at me and probably thought, well, you know, mix, mixed race kid, white girl. She probably felt a little afraid of me <laughs> you know what i mean and i that's what i assume so that's that's the shit i'm going through right now and you know there are two it's a twofold it's freedom of speech and what i can't necessarily prove with the colleague but i have my theories you should you sabrina eric uh what what's what's i was gonna say molly um terry oh. Oh, Terry. No, Terry goes as Molly in the in the thing. Terry got guys, two names. Yeah, I know. She got two names. All of y'all should, should get together, run a Massachusetts ballot initiative. First one, the first one, get rid of that thing where if you try to like pass a citizen-led initiative amendment, you got this thing where, okay, 25% 
has to, oh, sorry, 25% of your legislature has to approve of it. Mm-hmm. And if they, and if they don't, then it dies. Now that's bullshit because you guys are an indirect citizen ballot initiative state. And the way it's supposed to work is before it goes to the ballot, after it qualifies to go on the ballot, it goes to the legislature and the legislature either adopts or rejects. If it, if they adopt then it gets approved and it becomes a law or it's an amendment ratified as an amendment. If they reject it, then it goes to the ballot. That's how indirect states are supposed to work. Yours if they reject it, then it just dies and the voters don't get a chance to weigh in on it. So I think you guys should get together yeah. and, change, and change that part of your uh, state constitution because that's bullshit. I'm with you. I, I'm with you 100%. Thank you, Roger. I mean, how do we, uh, I mean, uh, Sabrina, um, uh, guys. <laughs> Uh, I, I I feel awkward uh, networking right now, but hey, why the fuck not? Uh. Yeah, this is what it's for. Yeah, I like I'm it. That's what we're talking right. out. That's right. Yes, That's right. talk it out. Activate. That's Wonder right. Mobilize. Activate. Mobilize. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you guys can, uh, if anybody wants to, if you're in the Boston area, uh, write this down. Tell a friend. You can send me an email. It's uh, Dave Morrison. 312 at gmail so it no relation to jim morrison van morrison return of the mac mark morrison i was about to ask i was gonna go there no i went there i saved y'all the trouble <laughs> listen dave morrison 312 at gmail we all got to get together because what's happening in with me right now is a familiar story across not just Massachusetts, but everywhere. People are going through profiles of pro-Palestinian supporters and administrators that in schools are saying, not cool. That's grounds for termination. And if you're in Massachusetts, if you're a young para and you're just starting out uh, 90 days, um, if you, it's the probationary period where they can terminate you without cause and your union can't do shit unless it's a freedom of speech law uh, that they violated or some other uh, administrative era, which is what I'm dealing with right now. They really fucked themselves on some errors, but I'm trying to find some defense, some legal defense fund so that I can go after my district. And, you know, like I don't like a lot of people here, I probably don't have a lot of means, you know, financially to find some strong legal defense for both free speech and my rights as an educator. Sounds good. Thank you. Thank you so much, David. Hey, contact me, guys. I'm, I'm glad I'm glad we're all talking it out. Have a good night, Sabs. Thanks. All right. And, and put the email address in the chat if you can. I will. <laughs> okay. Thank you. All right, Dwayne, come Hi, on Sabby. in, and then I'll, I'll bring in uh, Marco. What's up? Can you hear me? I can hear you. I always worry about that because of the trouble that I experienced earlier. Um, but, um, yeah, Tiffany's call really – I mean, I wasn't going to call in. But uh, after hearing Tiffany, I had to because it really evoked a lot of uh, emotion in me. And um, having been to Israel, meeting relatives that are there – who served in the IDF 
Um, I am just really, I've been for, for days, I've been <laughs> extremely distraught, traumatized, depressed. Har- it's horrible that, that, that Jews, you know, and I've known about Israel for a long time, like 30 years. And, uh, it, cause I was uh, regaled with stories about the Holocaust from my father, my whole life. He taught us. Uh, me and my sister about how we were uh, our family was massacred his his father's uh, family uh, who you know I knew my grandfather he died in 1983 but I remember him and he was very nice to me and I I loved my grandfather he was my grandpa and uh, his whole family was massacred in Auschwitz and mm. he left he left in the 20s in the mid 20s he left the uh, he left um, Hungary and he came to the United States and uh, he left his whole family behind him. And they were all massacred in Auschwitz and uh, by the Nazis. And my father told me about uh, his family, uh, my, my grandfather's family, my entire life. And, uh, you know, I was, it was always characterized to me that the Jews were, were victims uh, through the millennia of uh, pogroms in Russia and in uh in Europe, how he always told me, we always, he always told us about the Holocaust. And, uh, and then he took us to Israel when I was 20 years old in 1988. It was during the first Intifada, which lasted from like 87 to 93. And, uh, I remember one point, at one point we were driving around, uh, and we went, uh, to a, into a, a Palestinian town, and he panicked. I'll never forget his his reaction when he when he realized that we were driving into a to a Palestinian town, and he he got all scared. He was afraid. There was just people outside. It was no big deal. It's like you know, you probably could have gotten out and asked them for directions. They would have been fine. But he was scared shitless. My father is like a white guy. He's white and Jewish. He's a half German. I mean, half uh, Aust- uh, half uh, Hungarian and half Russian. His mother, his mother's family emigrated from Russia around the turn of the century, fleeing the pogroms from the, you know, in, in uh, it's like Fiddler on the Roof, their family. Um, and so he, uh, he was scared shitless of these, of these Arabs. And he's always been my whole life. I had to come to grips as a, as a person who's black, who identifies as black. Cause I, I lived with my mother. I didn't live with my dad, who's Jewish and white and Hungarian and Russian, right? European. I never identified with him as much as I identify with my mom and my grandmother and my grandmother's family and everybody. So that's, that's who my family is. But then I'd go to and hang out with my dad. My dad's a white European male. And he identifies with these European white Jews. And so, you know, that's, that was always my identification as well. But I was always conscious that these Palestinians were people of color. And why are the Jews fighting with the Palestinians? And the Palestinians had that land before the Jews came from Israel, because of, came from Europe because of the Holocaust. Why, why is this happening? So... I mean, I studied up. I learned about it. I took some. I had some great professors at the University of Buffalo. A guy named Lulat, who I love, because he really took the veil from my eyes after all this this lifetime of conditioning. And I'll tell you what, um, it was really eye opening and really. I, I told him at one point, my professor. I said, "Look, this is hard, because I, I I've been to Israel. I met my cousins who are in the IDF." 
but I've always identified with oppressed people. I'm I'm black. I identify as black, even though I'm like really light skinned because of my dad. I was raised in my mom's household. She's Gullah. She's from South Carolina. And I, you know, I always had much more of a connection with my mom's family than my dad's extended family, even though I loved my grandfather and my, you know, grandmother um, who had moved to Israel at one point. I went to Israel in 1988 during the first Intifada. I put a rock on my father's, uh, t- my grandfather's tombstone. Uh, we went all over your, all over um, Israel and saw all these historic sites and everything. Um, so it was an e- incredible experience. I met my cousins who were in the IDF to see what's happening right now, because I know I'm, I'm just kind of blathering uh to see what's happening right now is devastating for me it's absolutely devastating because i see jews committing a holocaust and my whole life i I was taught and i think every american jewish person has been taught you know look at what happened look what happened to us in europe how the, the nazis murdered your entire family and they would show pictures of, of 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 relatives from Europe, and this is this person died in Auschwitz. This person died in Auschwitz. That person was murdered by the Nazis and died in Auschwitz or some other death camp. And we grew up with this, and with a social the belief that we had an obligation to to strive and fight for social justice, and for civil rights and human rights in the United States and everywhere else. And then to see these Israelis become the fanatical monsters, these Nazis. I've been watching, I've been watching Twitter, and looking at all the pictures of the of these children. Fifty percent of Gaza is little children, and they're being blown to pieces by these Jews, by these by these Israelis. I have to not say Jews. I have to say Israelis because there's a whole. I mean, I know that I'm not alone. I have friends who I grew up with my entire life who are like, I have to like block them at Facebook because look, you, you, I cannot see you cheerleading genocide. It makes me sick and I cannot confront these people because they're my friends from back when I was in elementary school. Children. I mean, there's one guy who I know who actually ran into it uh, in college at University of Buffalo. And I was like, wow, I didn't, really can't believe you're here. I'm not going to say his name. But I can't believe you're here with me. And he's like, you know, and I reached out and extended a hand to him and we were friendly and I gave him support when he needed some support. And he's like all over Facebook right now, you know, talking about, ah, you know what he's saying. He's saying horrible shit. And it's like, I cannot, I can't, I don't want to confront him. But it, it fills me with such anger and such horror and such grief. And I'm I'm just sitting here in this. My supervisor at work, he's like, "What's wrong, Dwayne?" I'm like, "Is it?" And he actually brought it up. He's a very perceptive guy. He's been in that job for like 25 years. And he says to me, "Is it? Uh, is it what's happening in Israel?" Because he knows my history. And I, are you worried about your relatives? Because I told him my father called me like grief stricken, like worried. Oh, what's going to happen to our relatives? I'm like, Dad, I'm not worried about our relatives. <laughs> I'm not worried about the cousins I have in the IDF. I'm worried about what's happening to Palestinians and that Nazi, that Netanyahu, who who I call Nazi Yahoo, needs to be kicked the hell out of office. Oh, by the way, you know, there's people in Israel who are hitting the streets about Netanyahu too. I mean, you see all the demonstrations. I saw. I was, yes. I was, was going to say, I saw some of the videos 
on Twitter where people were demanding that Netanyahu resign. Absolutely. They know he's corrupt. They know he's evil. They think he let this happen, which, you know what, Savvy? This is an amazing, this is a thing that I really, I want to keep on saying this forever. Uh, nobody has to take me seriously if they don't want to. I'm just a guy, right, who just likes to read a lot. <laughs> but the, the neoconservatives in America said, absent a catastrophic and catalyzing event on American soil, we cannot uh, pursue our, our foreign policy agenda. And then 9-11 happened as soon as George W. Bush got into, into power, right? Well, Netanyahu is a neocon. And yep. this thing happened with them parachuting in Hamas, who Netanyahu funded. Mm-hmm. It reminds me completely of H.W. Bush and the Bin Laden family, who was ferried out of the United States post 9-11 when no other planes were flying. And they were sitting together, okay, watching the shit happen because they were in the Carlisle group together the Bin Laden family and H.W. Bush. I can't help but see the parallel here. And I think Israel, I think a lot of Israelis who are hitting the streets are like, no, 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 no. This motherfucker let this shit happen at least, if not having uh, coordinated it so he had an excuse to exterminate Gaza of Palestinians. I would have just, you know, don't take my fucking word for it. Everybody who's listening to me, do your research. But, but like I was saying, this doesn't, and I want to bring in, um, Eric, I want to bring you in here, Marco DeMarco. This doesn't stop with um, uh, the, the Palestinian people in areas like Gaza and the West Bank. This is what I was trying to tell people. Guys, the goal is for this to spread to places like Lebanon and Syria and Jordan as well. And this is what I'm saying, Savvy, absolutely. Uh, everything they're accusing Putin of doing, when Putin just wants to have uh, his border secure, is what they're doing. And, and Netanyahu is an expansionist, just the same way the United States is expansionist and is using NATO to extend their uh, full-spectrum dominance through, through the world. And this includes Asia. So we're like now in a situation where we have World War III possibly happening on three different fronts. Asia, the Middle East, and and Europe, Eastern Europe, and it's because we have lunatics in charge of our country. We've have we have as Americans an obligation to stop this Holocaust. There's one thing that I was going to say that I have to say. When I went to Israel in 1988, we went to the original Holocaust Museum, which was in Yad Vashem. Yad Vashem. As you are going through, it's like a winding museum with all these pictures and everything. You see all the families, all the pictures of the people who were massacred by the Nazis. The last thing you see is the children. It's like a candlelit room with all the pictures. From you know, it's not all of them, obviously, because they couldn't get all the pictures. But there was so many people, so many children who were murdered by the Nazis. But they have pictures all over the walls of all the children who were murdered. This is what the United States government is doing right now supporting the the, 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 the the Israelis who've become Nazis. And I, can, I, I have to stress this because I keep on going on about this, but people don't seem to... This is white supremacy. Our, yeah, well, they're, them doing me, this, it's, it's me, murder. Right. Let me bring in Eric. Eric, um, I think you were trying to chime in a minute ago. Go ahead. Hey, Sabi, thank you. Yeah, no, I, I 
I was holding on, but it, something happened on my phone, and that's why I came off the, the waiting list. I apologize for that. Otherwise, I would have stayed on waiting like everybody else. So sorry about that. But, yeah, you know, I, I wanted to bring it back just to the numbers of, of you know, like I think it's over 5,100 people now. Palestinians have passed away, and I think half of those are children or close to half of those. More uh, than half, yeah. And then, you know, the, the hundred billion dollars that I think Biden's asking now for aid uh, for both Israel and the Ukraine, that amount of money would, would suffice to rebuild most of the houses in Maui that got destroyed because I think it's about 2,700 houses and you could almost rebuild them all for that much. You would come very close to it. And, and that's, you know, if you built the house with, with uh, you know, 300000 or $400,000 worth of money for both the, the house materials and the infrastructure, you know, plumbing and, and whatnot. So it would be almost enough or, be, or get close to it. And, you know, that only happened a few weeks ago. But look how quickly the powers that be spun their wheels to get all this in motion, to get the money out to Israel. And the disconnect between there's such a big gap between the reality of the everyday American and how the powers that be in the government and the, the donor class, the ones who actually rule the government, how quickly they can move the needle to mobilize, to make more money through the uh, military industrial complex and, and move the needle as to, you know, whatever it is that the sphere of influence that they have over there through Israel for the resources in that area, whether it's oil or what have you. And yet they are not willing to look at, at the, the people here in the U.S. That should be a, a big wake up call for all of us, you know, and, and this makes it even easier as a, as a talking conversation with anybody to say, hey, look, look at what's happening. Look at what happened to, to the people in Hawaii. We, nothing was done for them, right? And yet we're going to send a ton of money overseas. The majority of people now, because the tables have turned and the narrative is not being controlled by either the U.S. or the Israeli folks out there, the, the narrative is, is uncontrollable because you have so much independent media, uh, whether it's Instagram, Facebook, whatever it is, take your pick. They can't control the narrative. It, it is getting out of hand, um, and, and which is good in the sense that now they can't control it. The, the genie's out of the bottle, right? Uh, and that's good for, for the everyday person. But, you know, you have these things that are going on there right now that can lead us to World War III, and it can turn on a dime. Uh, Savvy, I can't remember who was saying it earlier. I don't know if it was on your show on YouTube, but this could turn very quickly. You know, where people are going to jump in uh, because they're not going to let, you know, all the surrounding countries are not going to let ground troops go into Gaza without them coming into the fight. And that could provoke other countries to jump in and it would just turn into a mess. And we are not ready for it. You know, we even though they, they, they're sending uh, troops out there, we don't have the numbers here in the U.S. to go to war. Our Our population has been pacified in the sense that we don't have a draft, right? We don't have people just waiting to get in there on a continual basis. We don't have that. We rely on just bombing and doing things from afar, which is, the, you know, more of a cowardly way of doing things when it comes to, to wars. And that's why cowards like in, in, in the Congress, 
they don't care. They just, okay, just send more bombs because it's neither them nor their kids that are out there doing the fighting. So mm. I, I wanted to show yeah, If, if the IDF isn't ready for a ground uh, assault on Gaza, I guarantee goddamn you all these people sitting there doing uh, uh, um, their little video games in America are not ready for a war. They don't want this. But we're sitting by because we're oblivious and we're conditioned and we're brainwashed and we have a news media that feeds us bullshit and propaganda. We're sitting by and allowing this Holocaust to happen in Gaza. And it's yeah. going to trigger something that we, you know, it's going to get it completely out of hand because the people in power in this country are completely out of control. And we're sitting by as Americans and letting it happen and wringing our hands and or, or just completely denying the reality of it and embracing Ukraine Nazis and saying, oh, well, Israel has to protect themselves. They have a right to self-defense. Well, what about all those Palestinian children who are being bombed to smithereens by the IDF? That we are funding and arming. Well, now, I, we, I, I, I just want to say, I mean, I don't, I wouldn't say that we are letting this happen, but I think that the common person, the common American, is is out there. You know, there's protests going on all over the country, and that has helped to push this back to some degree. It's just that the powers that be, the government, Biden, you know, they don't care about us. But it, it, that is, you know, the pushback is there. Uh, I also wanted to circle back, savvy, to something much lighter, which is, you know, the the whole thing with the uh, uh, Renee, I think that's her name, right? Renee, the 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 the, the gal who was, you know, uh, she called out MPP. I don't know how long ago it was, and the first time I heard her, uh, I thought she was full of shit, right? I and I and I and I remember being on the chat saying like she's suspect and and all this, and then like a few months later, I, I can't remember the time I've lost. Uh, but maybe you can remember savvy, but essentially then something else came on about the guy that leads MPP. And I think it was that, that gal that joined his joined the MPP and I forget her name. I forget her name, but she was like, uh, she was with, with AOC with, with that whole movie thing. I forget her name. Uh, but, you're talking about, um, as I, I don't know her name, but she came out and she, she made some allegations against the guy, right. Against MPP. And then, but, you know, my first instincts was uh, about Renee specifically, not MPP so much, but just her, that she was full of shit. And then when this other gal made allegations against uh, Eric Bana, whatever his name is, then I was like, I'm sorry, Nick, I I felt like, okay, maybe she was right. And I was wrong about, you know, about her, about Renee. And I was like, and I remember being on another RBN, you know, like chat line apologizing because she was either on the chat line or she was on your show. I can't remember. But now my instincts were right. Like she was full of shit the, the whole time about this. And, and, and I remember subsequent to that, I remember, you know, you've, you've made comments, but I can't remember anymore. Just comments to, to the fact that, you know, her and others we're basically saying some bad things about this dude from MPP, not saying that he's good or anything, but that they had gone overboard, that, that some of the stuff that they had said was probably off again, separate from the fact that he's made a lot of mistakes and he's done bad, you know, wrong things, this guy, the Bonner banner guy or whatever, but that they, including uh, Renee and others were just piling on, you know, and it was wrong for them to do that. 
But now that she's on this other show, which I had no idea, you know, I never even, you know, I, I, I didn't even know what she looked like until this weekend when, when uh, CJ, uh, Nick, yourself, and, and Rome were on the show, uh, and JB, too, talking about this whole thing. Uh, and it was just like, man, this is crazy, you know, with these older guys. Now, um, I think Noel was the one that was speaking pretty eloquently about la- the lamenting, you know, what happened. But, you know, they they did something wrong and they needed to be called out. Now, Noel made the point that maybe in the future or in years to come, you and the rest of the RBN crew may look at this in a different light. I think she does have a point about that. But they needed to be called out, okay? They, 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 they needed to be checked because they have been doing this. We were not aware of it because I don't listen to the show, but other people do. And, and someone needs to call that, that stuff out, you know? And Eric, they, what, what different light should they be looking at it in? Because from my perspective, it seems pre- to be pretty clear cut that there was like a betrayal that happened here. Well, you know, I, I'm, I'm a little bit older than the RBN crew, you know, by, by, you know, probably more than 10 years or so. And I, too, when I was younger, I would call people out, you know, to their face, just me, the way I grew up and, and whatnot. And as I've gotten older, sometimes I wish that I didn't do that, even though technically I was right to call out motherfuckers to their face. Right. But but looking <laughs> back at it as, as, I, as I've aged, you know, it, or even just in my own work life, there's something to be said that sometimes it's better not to do that in public because other people um, you create a perception of yourself, even though technically you're right. You know, or just speaking about myself, I was right. But other people perceive it in a different way. Just, you know, so to, to Noel's point, And again, I thought, uh, you know, Nick, CJ, Rome and Savvy, JB, they were all correct to call these guys out because, you mm-hmm. know, they were they are jealous. They are. This is why they're doing it, you know, because RBN has grown so much mm-hmm. uh, and they've done what they're doing. They have energy behind them that these guys are never going to have. They, they don't have that dynamic. Nope. They don't have the personalities. Too elitist. Whatever it may be, you know, as simple <laughs> as this, I like RBN. I, I love Savvy's show, and I keep coming back to it. You know, I'm not going to be able to quantify it in, in a few words. These guys don't have that. Whatever that is, they don't have it. Nope. And, and okay. so these guys are jealous of that. Yep, so. yep. they sure are. Yeah. Kid, I thought you were 30 years old. Yeah. And so you're older. I thought you were younger. And Dwayne made himself sound older when you're really younger. <laughs> Dwayne sat up there and said, Oh, I was 20 years old in 1988. I was. Like, I what? Oh, you made it sound as if, Oh, Wu Tang Clan, they, those guys was mad younger than me. Bro. <laughs> bro they are. I love them, but uh, they are no, younger. No, no, no. Than you. They're not mad younger than you, bro, bro, bro. Those, <laughs> bro, those guys are my age, okay? And I graduated in 1988. Well, there you go. So you, so, so you stone cold busted, <laughs> okay? But stone yeah, but busted. but you know, but talking Sorry. about this, you know, talking about the the, the qualities that RBN has. These are some of the things that I do admire about them, that they are not, they're unapologetic about how they go about their message. 
and that they're very honest and sincere. So they built a, a tremendous amount of trust with us, with us, the audience, the, the, the people that support RPN. That is why, in, in part, why I love them so much, because Me they're too. so sincere. Independently of what I, others may feel, they tell you what they really feel. I also love what, what Nick had to say about, I can't remember who he was talking about, if he was talking about this, this guy, Torres, but that the Black Caucus and Torres are fighting for Israel, and yet you don't see them fighting for the Black community in the same, in the same way. And I was like, wow, man, you know, that analysis is so on point. How can you go fight for these people across the world and you're not even doing that the same for the people here in the well, U.S.? Well, they massacre people of color. Exactly. Yeah. That sounds like. So anyway, Sa Savvy, I, 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 I want to give other people a chance, but thank you for letting me talk and jump and, and get, in, get in here. Thank you so much, Savvy. Uh, whoops, sorry, I was muted the whole time. I just realized that. <laughs> so one of the things I was going to say is that, you know, you know, I get where both of you are coming from, yourself and, and Noel. For me, like I said, usually I'm the one, like myself and JB, we're the ones that'll tell people like, honestly, guys, like, just let this go, da, da, da. And we've done that for quite some time. But it gets to a certain point where at some point, sometimes you have to defend yourself. And the thing is, is like, there was none of that like for Black Power Media. There was none of that for Black Power Media. There was none of that for Renee when they were lying. Like, that's the thing. Like, my whole thing is, you don't agree with us, fine. <laughs> you don't like us, fine. <laughs> But to tell blatant lies about RBN, which actually has an impact, like when you tell people that RBN, first of all, there aren't many black groups in, in left independent media. So when you go around telling people that RBN is telling people to vote for Donald Trump, yeah, that has an impact. When, when you tell people that RBN are, are rape apologists, that has an impact. And Renee and her fucking minions have been doing that. Renee, that girl Kate, or whoever the fuck she is, I finally blocked her. That girl Kate on Twitter, like Paula Jean was doing this for a long time. You guys see, these are the things you guys don't see. Paula Jean was doing that for a long time. She was lying on us too, saying that we told people to support Nick Brana. We never said that. That was a lie. And we were never like, cozy or friends or whatever with Nick Brana. Um, Kate, uh, Paula Jean Swearingen, who eventually blocked all of us, Paula Jean Swearingen lied on me publicly on Twitter and said that I responded to her tweet and she was called out on Twitter and people are like, I'm looking at your tweet and I don't see any response from Savvy because I had muted her. I had muted her. So the thing is like, these people were telling blatant lies because we wouldn't denounce Jimmy Dore and because we wouldn't talk about Nick Brana every fucking stream. And Renee got mad because we wouldn't give her a platform all the fucking time just to talk about MPP. This, these people have serious problems. That's what I'm trying to tell you guys. So it was Renee, that girl Kate, Paula Jean Swearingen, 
Zineb did some of this shit too, although she was a little bit more sneakier about it. Oh shit. And then also, um, what's that woman's name? Uh Green Wiccan. She's mm. actually Jara Brown. She was a part of that group too. All those people who like were friends with Renee, like they would they were fucking attacking us for almost two years on Twitter and on other people's shows. Yeah, and people people who so say you should have taken a hard me. line. Right, but the thing is, when is RBN allowed to defend itself? No, Savvy, exactly. People who, ta- who say you should have taken the high ground, you know, oh, be above, be above it. No, if you have any knowledge of the history of COINTELPRO, you know how this works, how they turn left movements against each other. Now, this, they're co-opted, obviously. They're trying to undermine your credibility because you're growing. It's very, very obvious, and you need to come back and you need to repeat that publicly as possible, uh, as publicly as you can, as vehemently as you can, because you need to go on the record. I mean, it's like it's like uh, people always know, like uh, from back in the Clinton administration, you need to refute the allegations immediately, or else they they take uh, they gain currency. People start to think they're true. They begin to undermine your credibility. You did the right thing. By coming out and saying, by pushing back, you have to push back. You did the exact right thing. For you to take the high ground right now, when they're undermining your credibility, would be the wrong move politically. But here's the thing, Dwayne. There is a way to push back that leaves you intact. There is nothing wrong with coming on air and saying, you know, it has come to our attention that certain things have been said about this platform that are not true, this and that, blah, blah, blah. You don't come on cursing and calling people this, that, and a third and blah, 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 because that what that demonstrates is your pain. It doesn't demonstrate that you're dealing with the issue. But here's the greater point. To the point that Sabrina was making about these people have been saying these things, this, that, and a third. The truth is... Both Sabrina's network and RBN has been growing steadily. So for whatever the naysayers have to say, now to your point about COINTELPRO, a government organized and um, orchestrated um, program is a different thing than just some other station. Well, and no, because po- you never know who's been compromised. I, so you don't know I who make is, is actually these people, These people have other careers, and they have had long careers in organization and doing stuff before they got involved in Black Power Media. So it is not as serious an endeavor for them as it is for the people on the Revolutionary Black Network. That's fine. But what I'm saying is do you're doing the work. You're building it out. It's expanding. So don't get engrossed in what the naysayers or whatever and whatever. It's it's a, a, a short end, short trip on a dead end street. Your work is speaking for you and let that be success is the best revenge. And those are the things that, you know, as you grow older, you will see those things. In 10 years, when Savvy has a following of 3.5 million people, whatever was said on VPM or whatever won't make a difference. Exactly. Let your sure. work speak for you. Exactly. And that's that. Well, you don't I get in, believe... the, you don't wallow in the mud with everybody who says something. Right. That's I know small. I agree. 
I agree with that. I think the statement has been made. Arbeen has come out and has uh, has refuted the allegations. Now, okay, the statement has been made, move forward, leave it in the past. I agree with that because you don't want this to bog you down, get you into the dirt, because that's what they want to do. They want to drag you into that. I'm just saying you, the motivations have to be examined because we don't know who's been compromised and where and what their, what their uh, motivations are. All we know is that they're attacking RBN because RBN is gaining currency and uh, gaining influence, and that needs to be stopped. That needs to be whatever we, we, we do going forward, we need to stop RBN from being uh, undermined by people who, you know, they, they've obviously got compromised uh, um, uh, priorities. Now, I, I do want to say this, Savvy, you know, just looking at it from my view to what I was mentioning earlier, as you, as you, as, as you grow or whatever, w- one thing that is different, you know, looking back at my own experiences, I didn't have anybody recording, documenting, you know, when I had those instances, when I was calling people out. RBN does have that, and you can show, you know, what happened, the the history of it. And also, if somebody was to be able to look back as to, you know, what, uh, you know, the show that you guys had this weekend, you people could look and reflect on the fact that you guys were younger as time progresses, and let's say 10 years down the road, there is that context to it too. So it's a little bit different than maybe like a conventional work environment where you can go off and then maybe people people would have a perception of you whatever that may be but here you're documenting through videos what happened and and i think it'll be a little bit different in the future because people can look back and say yeah look they were pissed off but they had legit reason for that so in that sense i think it's a little bit different in a common workplace you know and and you know it's a little bit different that's that's a really good point, um, Eric. Let's bring in Marco. Marco. Hi. Hey, what's going on? Not much. Had some thoughts on Palestine this year. Go ahead. Uh, you've I think you've shared that image before. That's like the the land of uh, Israel growing over time over Palestine. Yeah. Like a cancer, you know. Um, have you shared the image of that for the U.S.? Because I, I try to watch every single stream, but I don't know if I've seen it. No, I haven't. Yeah, like, I think it's really important for people to think and see this. and Because, like, there are areas of the continental United States that were never uh, lost to the indigenous. So, like, for instance, in Oregon, where I live, there's a, if you're, you know, there's an Oregon map that, everyone sees all the time their whole life growing up here. And there's a hole in that map where that's indigenous land that was never conquered. The Navajo Nation, which, you know, encompasses three U.S. states, is larger than 10 U.S. states. And it was never conquered. Well, that's not true because they've taken back some land since, but it's more or less true. But what I mean is, is just like how Israel has not completely erased Palestine, the United States has not completely erased the 44 some nations that were here before it. And, you know, I was oh, watching you. Can you, can you, really still, can you email that to me, Marco? I, I really yeah, want to email that. that. Yeah, I can email that to you. Yeah, I put it in the chat, but I'll email it to you too. Um, and so, like, 
I was watching you with Kim and that was a really great interview. Thank you. Um, you and Kim getting together always is really great. Um, and it's like with Israel and Palestine, the idea being like, oh, we should have one state where, where, uh, because, you know, it was one state before. And I agree. The only thing I disagree with Tim, with, with, um, Kim is that that state should just be Palestine. And I believe that Palestine, uh, Israel and the United States both have no right to exist. And um, I think that if you were to eliminate Israel somehow, you know, whatever, then well, the Jews would stay there because the Palestinian state that existed before it allowed Jews to live and worship in the land freely. Um, and I think for the U.S. it's a bit more complicated because there was not just one nation here. There was 40-some, 20 of some no longer exists. Like half of the nations were literally eradicated. Um, well, what I've learned is you got to be careful about saying Israel should not exist because some people will hear that and they'll take it as an anti-Semitic comment. I know, but I still say it because I believe it's really true of Israel and my country. And I always say it too. I say, whenever I say Israel has no right to exist, I also say my own country has no right to exist uh, for the same reason. Um, and I think that there, I think a one state solution is the thing. And I think that state should be Palestine for the U S though. I mean, I don't know what to do with this country because not every, like you can't just say give all the land back because 20 of those nations aren't even here. Who do you give the land back to when they're gone, when they're completely dead? Um, but I, I do think, though, that whoever wants the land back is entitled to have all of it that they want. And I think that the U.S., the, the nation that exists, you know, it's going to be a multi-state solution for the resolution of what's happened with the U.S. settler colonial project. But I think for Israel and Palestine, it should be a one-state solution, which is just Palestine. You know who else believes that doesn't believe that it should exist, Abby? Oh, oh hold on. I was on mute. Sorry. Who? Afeni. Yeah. I saw her say it. She said, uh, she said Israel does not have a right to exist or it, it doesn't exist to me. Well, some people want to say it's an anti-Semitic comment, but it's not if you know the history. Uh, now, uh, every time I think about it, and I'm keep I keep getting the, watching these documentaries, I compare Israel to um, somebody building a house on a land that doesn't belong to them, and basically you you see people on the land and you decide to basically put fear into them, you demean them, you make them less than animals. I compare I call that a plantation. I wouldn't be surprised if they tried to enslave them. Oh, so, so here's the here's the thing, though, you got to be careful about saying those kind of things, because especially if you're looking for employment and that's the other sad part. What happened to the students at Harvard where they actually took their pictures and enlarged their pictures and put them on trucks and drove those trucks around campus? I personally felt like that was just just a violation of their privacy and they they plastered their faces across these trucks and they called them anti-semitic on it and stuff like that and what you guys got to understand is most of those students who wrote that letter were african-american students i, I didn't they were know already that. trying to prevent them from getting jobs 
So they, we- they spoke. They spoke at the very first rally. The first one I covered uh, a week ago where I was there, they spoke at that rally and they talked they talked about what has been done to them and stuff like that. So like I said before, when Miko Polite came on and he said, you're dealing with very powerful people. This is what he's talking about. Like Zionism is not just something that is um, uh, for Jewish people. There are Christian Zionists. Perfect example, Richie Torres, Hakeem Jeffries. Like these people are not Jewish, but they they're they're Zionists. And and you can be that way. And that's what I'm trying to tell people is that you don't have to be Jewish to be Zionist. And most Jewish people are not Zionists. So so this is where where the, 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 the tricky part comes in, right? This is where the tricky part comes in, which is like when people when people like Nikki Haley say anti-Zionism, which which she's fucking pathetic. When she says stuff like anti-Zionism is anti-Semitic, that's a fucking lie. Nikki is just speaking to her donors. And that's what we got to call out, who the donors are, because that reveals everything. But she's a Zionist herself. Uh, I just want to finish my point, Sabrina. The one I was going to bring up, the the Dave Chappelle one. Um, I didn't know Dave Chappelle was Muslim. Uh. I, I like the fact that Dave Chappelle, he may have his faults, but I like the fact that, that Dave did stand up for the Palestinian people. And just like you, when I read that shit, when CJ was reading it, I, w- I said, I please, God, if there's a fucking video, an audio of this shit, I want to hear it. I want to hear Dave Chappelle tell these people, you don't tell me to shut the fuck up, nigga. You shut the fuck up. <laughs> I was trying to picture it, too. I'm trying to picture that shit. And, I want to hear it. Yeah, I want to hear it. I'm like, it's a shame Dave Chappelle is like shutting people, just telling people you give shut your phones down and shit. But yeah, it, it's like people are just uh, they're afraid with Dave Chappelle. Dave Chappelle can't be canceled. It seems like whatever topic Dave Chappelle talks about, you're gonna be mad about that one, but you're not. You're gonna be okay with the rest. And then Dave Chappelle will like a wave, like a storm. It's always it's always going left and right, left and right. And that's that's like who he is. He's like a boat on a storm, and he's always like passing through. He becomes more popular, you know. Every time people are like, "We're gonna cancel you" or whatever. Yeah, and uh, as for the woman that was talking, uh, the nurse lady, man, I want to cry. Yeah, she was saying that these Ukrainians, they got fucking healthcare. Mm-hmm. We don't. I, I, I wonder if that shit is permanent. Like, is it just a one-time thing when they entered? You get one service, or it's like, no, we're gonna secretly give you fucking healthcare, but we won't tell everybody else that we are giving that you'll be a special class. And sure, here's the thing: we pay for Congress's healthcare, but they won't let us fund our own. I mean, that that's fucked up. Yeah, and that- it's it's true. The same thing for if I if I remember correctly, I think we do for the military too. If I remember correctly, because like when I was growing up, so for people don't, who don't know about this, um, when I was growing up, um, there was, so we had TRICARE because when my dad was military, we had TRICARE, he had TRICARE. So all of us were covered under TRICARE. TRICARE is actually excellent insurance, meaning that like TRICARE covers almost everything. I've never had any issues uh with with tricare at all like ever and so i think one time my mom may have paid like 
$3 for like the allergy prescription that I had to have, right? So, but for the most part, TRICARE covers everything. Now, that being said, when my dad retired from the military and your insurance then switches from TRICARE to the VA, which is Veteran Affairs, the VA is awful, meaning that it's not that they don't treat you or that you have to pay more, but it's that things are often delayed. So like, for example, my father had to file for disability. So my dad had to have a hip replacement and that limited his mobility in reference to the type of job positions that he could get. So he was still allowed to work, but he could only do certain jobs. So like, for example, he couldn't have a job where he could actually stand on his feet for a long time. So because of the hip replacement, right? So that being said, and I still remember this, it took the VA almost 10 years to grant my dad's disability. Whereas if you had gone through a regular doctor, you were not a part of the military or government employment, it would not have taken 10 years. And I know that because my mom also had to file for disability and it took a year. But through, through the VA, it took them 10 years to grant my dad the disability. And it wasn't like he didn't have the medical records. He did. The VA just moves fucking slow. I'm, I'm telling you from experience. So that was one of the things where, you know, when Roger brings up TRICARE, that's what Roger is referring to. The fact that TRICARE is better than the VA. Because if that had happened when my dad was still active duty, that would have been taken care of a lot of faster. But the VA, and this is the same thing, you know, vets that returned from the Vietnam War, the Iraq War, that could no longer serve as active duty in the military. This is the same thing they had to deal with. They had PTSD and they had to deal with the VA and the VA don't move fast. And so sometimes when you see some of these homeless people, which I'm sure some of you have seen, you know, some of the homeless people are vets. Some of them are Vietnam vets. Some of them are um, Iraq war vets. Reason why a lot of times they out on the street is not because they can't afford to, you know, live somewhere. It's because they have PTSD. Some of them have shell shock uh, syndrome. And they did not get treatment fast enough from the VA. And wow. so after being in battle for so long, they got accustomed to living outside mm. and that's all they know. So they don't feel comfortable going and sleeping in a bed because they've been sleeping outside for so long. That's yeah. why some of the people who are veterans are still are homeless. Not they because trauma they have trauma. Trauma that's not been treated. Mm-hmm. Try so in Vietnam. Try care for all. That's, That's what we need. Go ahead. We need universal health care because then you wouldn't have that problem. People well, they're, gonna give it to you. they're not going to give it to you. So the TRICARE thing looks like you have to be in the military to get it. So they're trying to get everybody to join to basically replenish their numbers because nobody's nobody wants to enlist because they, they, they now know that if you enlist, you come back broken. With yeah. nightmares, you can't sleep. Like even even a t- a tire screeching might sound like a a rocket coming oh, for you. Oh, forget it. Forget it. Like a, if a uh, a car backfires, you you're 
underneath your desk or something. Or, or a tire blows up. You might think it's a bomb. Yeah, forget it. No, no. Yeah, because they, they're not treated in this country. I mean, they, <laughs> but, yeah, either you have a politician that runs on getting the Tricare, making it nationalized, completely nationalizing it. You might want to abandon Medicare for all, because I, 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 I was. I just been saying that before. <laughs> no, no, I, I'm just, I'm just bringing it back because I've heard it before where people said that his Medicare, Barry's Medicare for all thing wasn't that great because it doesn't cover. Dental, uh, eye care, ears, uh, that kind of stuff. I'm like, why? If it's no, Medicare, why not just cover no? That, that's that's actually not true. Um, Bernie actually did cover those in his bill. That was one of the things he talked about constantly on his campaign. Is he said is that now it would cover everybody and also it would cover dental, vision, and ears. Well, so he did. Not- he did say that, like his bill did cover add those things in, which Medicare already does not have in. Which is like that's why a lot of people, because when I worked in national healthcare, a lot of people that had Medicare also had some type of supplemental insurance to pick up those costs for those types of procedures. So, like that's the other thing I want to make very clear to people. People that have Medicare now, Medicare don't cover everything. It doesn't cover dental, it doesn't cover vision, and it doesn't cover uh, hearing. So Bernie wanted to add that apart as to the uh, as as part of the Medicare package, the overall package. So just FYI, that was included, which you would have thought would have been more attractive to seniors. But a lot of seniors was just kind of like, I already have supplemental insurance from when I worked for the telephone company. So a lot of people, a lot of the patients that were at the facility that I worked at, they, these are a lot of older people, right? So they had worked for like the telephone company. A lot of them worked for Bell South um, or the post office or something. They, they had worked for companies that are no longer hiring people for those positions, but they had already grandfathered in. So they still had that supplemental insurance. So for them, when Bernie says, I'm going to give everybody Medicare, it didn't mean much for them because they were already covered. Oh, I was going to, I was going to bring that up just really before you, before you cut me off. I was going to say, <laughs> I was going to bring that up because I was going to I was going to ask you is there two different types of Medicare for all because I was going to bring up uh what's her name god damn it the Indian lady that's like the head of the caucus um what's her name Jayapal Jayapal yeah I was going to ask are there two different Medicare for all bills or was Jack was that one one bill it's one bill is Bernie Sanders and Pramila Jayapal's bill okay okay I thought it was I was going to ask if it's two separate ones also. Let's not forget, you know, what because you you was talking about um, people are not joining the military. Remember what I said last time. Another reason why people are not joining the military is because they do not pass the physical exam because we've been, uh, 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 you know, because of our diet and what we've been feeding ever since uh, the income inequality gap widened and both parents had to work. So there was nobody, there's still nobody to to, to uh, uh, stay home and cook slow-cooked, home-cooked meals. So when they come home, they're like, get something very instant, you know, some microwave type of stuff. And that stuff is not good. So when you grow up on that, then you become of age. Now you see like, oh, we can't eat. We, we, nobody wants to enlist in the military. And those that do don't pass the physical. They either you know, too fat or too got these problem and that problem and they're all failing. 
You see what well, I'm saying? So but, that's, but that's the Don't they normally like train you in the military just to, you know, you go have to the to gym? Pass a physical though. But before you can even do that, because they don't want to like kill you. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like they don't yes, they want to work you to the brink, but they it they at least has to have some type of standard uh physical because you you, you gotta take the physical. If you fail the physical, then it's like, nah, we might kill this person if we try to push them beyond their uh, limits or whatever. Okay, okay. So, so, so you're talking about internally, like a heartbeat, the lungs and everything? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's like a friend of mine in high school, he applied to West Point, And that was the only school he applied to because he only wanted to go to West Point. The rest of us applied to multiple colleges. But for whatever reason, he was like, nope, West Point ride or die and he passed all of the requirements except for the fact that he has asthma Mm. and so because he had asthma i don't know how it is now so you gotta remember this a long time ago but at that point because he had asthma west point rejected him because they said that because he's asthmatic he would be a liability to the military because after you join west point academy you go into the military that that is the whole point. This is what the point that I was trying to make when I was on Rising that time, and I said AOC was recruiting people to join the military. Those academies that they were recruiting students to join, you join with the agreement of joining the military. So when you join the Air Force Academy, you go into the Air Force. When you join West Point, you go into the Army. That's the whole point of those academies. It's not just to get a college education. Mm-hmm. So anyway, he didn't get in. I don't know what he what Mark ended up doing. But I know he didn't get in, and that was the only school he applied to. And the only reason he did not get in is because he was he has asthma, he's asthmatic, and they said you would be a liability to the United States military. So that's one of the reasons where you may not get accepted. The other thing in reference to uh, the physical characteristics, I have friends fail uh, the physical, which Roger is talking about, and not even make it to the training because they didn't meet the body taping requirements. Now, for women, <laughs> I, I know what you're talking about. For women, it's much harder than men because just because you don't meet the body body requirements, the body taping requirements doesn't mean that you're not healthy. Uh-huh. You can fail the body tape requirements as a woman if you have big boobs. And you can be skinny and have big boobs. And that's the thing that people don't realize. So I had another friend of mine, Megan, she wanted to go into the Air Force and she didn't pass the body taping requirements because she has big boobs. Now, she's smaller than me, but that's what, at the time, she was smaller than me, but that's what made her fail the physical. So she never even made it to basic training. Yeah, uh, as someone who has, I believe you have asthma too, Sabrina, you have an inhaler? Yeah, but mine is different from Mark. Like, Mark was, he's been asthmatic ever since he was a kid. Mine is allergy-induced. Okay, because I was going to say, if this guy goes into the military and, and he goes into Afghanistan, one of those hot places, like, do you think that like, he'd be hyperventilating because of the asthma? All that heat would just make him just drop to the floor, Prob- drop probably, to the ground. Probably, I mean. and that's, what, that's, that's the thing. That's the, the point that they were trying to make is like, and there's other reasons too. Like, I don't know if you guys, there's other medical reasons why they will not accept you. Like, for example, let's say you're born with a heart condition, you can't join the military. You have to run. Because again, you're a medical, you're a liability. So it's, it's some of it can be diet, Roger, but some of it is not about that. Some of it are conditions that people are born with that they have no control over. 
Well, I guess we got to cook up a super soldier serum. Hey, Sabi, I wanted to ask you, uh, this is Ad Kid. I wanted to ask you about the, because you were in higher ed. Is there anything, I guess, for these students that are getting uh, retribution for standing up for Palestine? Is Harvard, I, I guess this is where the students are at. Harvard's a private school. Is that why the state can't go after them for this form of, uh, you know, it would seem to me there would be illegal retribution that they're going after these students based on whatever the donors are asking them to do or the, or the teachers. But it would seem that there would be some rights that they would have where they couldn't do that to the students because of their because of their freedom of speech and whatnot. So most of the colleges in the Boston area are private. Uh, that's that's something that's also when I first moved here was weird to me because everywhere else I've lived it was the opposite. Most of the schools were public universities and there were a few private ones. In Boston, that is not the case. Most of the colleges in this area are private. In fact, in Boston proper in particular, and will include Cambridge, I think the only public one is the University of Boston, excuse me, University of Massachusetts, uh, Boston, which people call UMass Boston. Um, but for the longest time, they didn't even have dorms. That was considered to be a commuter college. So it just... A lot of the schools here are private schools, Harvard, Northeastern, um, MIT, Boston University, Boston College, like even the smaller ones like Simmons College, which has a really good nursing program. They're also private, like Wheelock College. Um, actually, Wheelock merged with BU because they failed with funding reasons. But um, what's the other one? Is it? Eric, what's what's the other one? Uh, the other engineering school right next to Northeastern begins with W. Um, shoot, I can't remember the Wentworth. name. Wentworth. Wentworth is also private. That's the thing about here. Like most of the schools are private, so that's why the state can't really intervene in that way, as they could if like it was UMass. But I, I I just find it interesting that you would think that there would be some sort of attorneys out there that be willing to you know go out and help the students to to protect their rights. Uh, if this well, is there there are, but they have to pay for them. Uh, but what I mean, yeah, for for free is what I mean. <laughs> yeah, the free Pro attorneys. Bono. There are free attorneys at the university, but they work for the university. Okay. What about the students, though? Uh, the student activists. Anybody protecting them or do they have to just like uh, get pro bono representation? They're not protected. In fact, I heard from one of them today um, that said that they were, that's why I had to delete one of my tweets because I promoted one of the videos and they asked me if they could delete it because they were getting heavily attacked. Wow. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's why like, so the other day, um, yesterday, I was invited to go to Boston University because I don't know if you guys know, but there was a massive uh, student walkout here in Boston. Yeah, I heard about it. And I didn't, I didn't cover it tonight for this reason uh, because I, I was already told that they were getting attacked. Um, but there was a massive walkout, not just of BU students, but Northeastern, Harvard, they all gathered together and walked out. And their demands was that these universities stop taking money from the military industrial complex. Wow. Because what they were basically saying is that 
the universities were complicit, which is why the universities are telling the students we have well, to support are. we have to support Israel. Well, they're gonna have and, to basically look even harder because if it's not just the military, it might be APAC itself. Right. So, and that's why if I don't know if you guys have noticed, but a couple of people that have been donors for Harvard, they have come forward and said they're not donating to Harvard anymore. And I'm just like, good. Maybe Harvard just needs to fucking fall. Um, oh yeah, yeah. I, I want to know, Sabrina, is Dan Cohen going to be on your show anytime soon? Um, I can reach out to Dan. Okay, because there's a question I would love to. Maybe, maybe you could probably ask him for me because uh, I was uh, watching the Jimmy Dore show, but apparently now Jimmy doesn't stream live anymore. He does it on Rumble and he just uploads clips on on so, YouTube. Let Let me ask a question about that. What the hell happened to Jimmy Dore's show? Because I saw comments on his latest clip, which was uploaded like seven days ago, and people were like what the hell happened to your show? And they said that there were a couple comments where people said that Jimmy got a strike. Uh, I don't know if it's a strike, but I don't know. If, I don't think it was a strike. Well, I think it was, maybe it was because there was a point I was watching it when I was like surprised and I just checked rumble randomly and Jimmy was live streaming. And there's a point he was lamenting in the stream. He says, Oh, thank God, man. I, 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 it's so good when you can just be on rumble or not be on YouTube where somebody has to be your fucking manager to basically tell you what you can't or cannot say uh, uh, on YouTube. Okay, where... then, then that to me sounds like they got a strike. So, yeah, he was lamenting on that. And then he talked a little bit when he, they were talking with Kurt and Pasta in there. And they, he was saying that there was, there was some subjects on Palestine he didn't know. Which I, I was like, okay, I'm not going to get, 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 get into that part. But he did, man, they did talk about Dan Cohen. And Dan Cohen said that. Hamas wasn't created by Israel. And I'm like, wait a minute. I, I'm thinking about this. That there's no fucking way that Hamas did not. No, Hamas was not created by Israel, because I remember Jimmy likes to bring this point that Donald Trump is a symptom of the American system. That's how you see Donald Trump the way he is. He is a symptom of America. It's not a. It's not that Donald Trump is bad. Donald Trump is cre created by the environment that is America. So if the Palestinians are getting pummeled, humiliated all across uh, Israel and the, in Gaza, of course you're going to have a bunch of people decide to have these dark emotions against the Israel Israelis in general, just how Israelis are racist to them. I just see it on YouTube. They call, they call openly say, we want to kill Arabs. We want to kill you. You have people posting on Twitter to their young kids that are like three years old. What are you going to do when you grow up? I'm going to get a gun and kill an, Israel, an Arab. And I'm like, Israel did create Hamas indirectly or directly created him because you festered that environment for Hamas to wait, basically. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You're saying Dan Cohen said Israel did not create Hamas? Yes. That's what Kurt said. Because Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy said, let me, let me, I'll just finish and then you can answer. Jimmy said, I thought he, he believed himself that Hamas, Israel created Hamas. Then Kurt basically said that Dan Cohen said, that Israel never created Hamas. They never created them. Just and then Jimmy was like, "Okay, I thought I knew it was otherwise." But if Dan Cohen said it was, it wasn't Israel that created Hamas. But I'm like, I'm, I'm I'm sorry. If that came from Kurt, you should probably double check that to see if Dan Cohen said that. 
Yeah, because I don't. I'm, I'm I'm sorry, but I haven't heard that from anyone that has actually been over there. And Dan Cohen has been over there. Abby Martin and um, um, Anya and everybody else and Max, all of them that have been over there have said the exact opposite. Yeah, because so when that came from, if, unless Dan Cohen said that directly on his show, yeah, because he said Dan Cohen. I push back on that. You can't. Some of the things that Kurt says are not true. I'm yeah, sorry. Sometimes, sometimes I scratch my head when he says some shit. Because Pasta was in the room too. So both Pasta and Jimmy were scratching their head like, what? I mean, I thought Israel created Hamas based on the environment of how it's going on in, in Gaza. And Jimmy was like, okay, I guess if Dan Cohen said that uh, Israel didn't create Hamas, I guess that's it. Yeah, when someone else says that someone else said, like, I'm sorry. If I don't see a clip or a tweet of Dan Cohen saying that, like you, it's best to go directly to Dan Cohen. I'm just, I'm just saying. The other thing too, I noticed people in the chat said that Jimmy was was ill. Yeah, Jimmy, I heard he was ill, but the show has been going on. Like Pasta has been hosting the show for almost a month, it seems like. And the point that I was making is that. It was very clear by the comments. If you look at the last video that was uploaded, the one about um, uh, Andrew Cuomo, it was very clear. If you look at the comments, people were like, so what the hell is going on? Is this show not on YouTube anymore? It was very clear that the, the audience was just not really aware of what happened to the show. And it was only when I looked a little bit further down where I saw people making comments saying that, that the show got a strike. And that's why they're only streaming on Rumble and Rockfin. I was able to find a tweet that said, um, we're streaming, we're live on YouTube, Rumble and Rockfin. And then later on that same day, it said, maybe like an hour later, it said, we're live only on Rumble and Rockfin. So Mm. that right there tells me something must have happened from YouTube. And and like I said, you got to be very careful what you say on YouTube. And I and I was, I was telling, telling people, people this is... earlier today, don't play that Hamas hostage video. Don't play that video of Hamas handing over the hostages and the hostage like shaking Hamas's hand. Mm-hmm. Because Hamas is even present in the video, YouTube will f- most likely flag that as you're promoting terrorist activity. So mm-hmm. I was trying to tell people, don't play that video. But you, well, since you just mentioned that, uh, CJ did an early live stream. I'm going to have to rewatch it. But there was a title that says that, that Hamas were basically kind to the people, the hostages. So I'm thinking, will they flag that live stream because Hamas is being seen in a good light? Unfortunately, CJ didn't see my my comment before he went live. Oh, wow. So it I'm was just... all, Facebook already took it down. I told them, I said, guys, you can't play any videos that has um, Hamas or wow. the hostages. But see, that was after I don't think CJ saw that till after he had streamed. So even for me, that's why you didn't see me cover the hostage release. That's why I didn't cover it, because anything connected to Hamas, they will see it as YouTube will say promoting, promoting. a terrorist organization. Terrible. Yeah, because yeah, when, when, when it comes to the Hamas group, I'm kind of well mixed on it. Because if you watch all these videos, especially with the Max video, most of these Hamas people, they're just like people who just they, they they've given up on life. 
they've decided yeah, to just... but it's it's interesting because i have a friend of mine that's from iran and she says the opposite and i mean like she's from iran and the rest of her family is still there and they're stuck there they can't they, they cannot get into the u.s and they've been trying for a long time and i mean even being denied you know like school like getting a full scholarship and being denied entry for academic reasons. Well, you, um, and and she said the exact opposite. She said in Iran, they actually see Hamas, she said, as a terrorist group, not as these were elected political officials who kind of went rogue. So her interpretation of this is very different. And she has like lived through war. Like she knows what it's like to see a rocket outside her house. You think it's that's propaganda against Hamas? Again, she grew up in Iran. So she's not this is not based on what the media is saying. Okay. This is based on her own experience. Okay. Uh, she, can't, she can't even watch the news right now. She can't watch mainstream media because she gets she has PTSD because of the war, like the wars that she grew up with, like as a child. Like, can you imagine as a kid walking outside your door and you see like a rocket like in the fucking ground? Like, these are the kind of things like she still has PTSD. She's in her 40s. She still has PTSD from this. From when Doesn't she was Iran back Hezbollah? I don't know. Yeah, yeah Iran back know. Hezbollah. But she's, she's starting to get really scared because she feels like this this whole conflict is going to push towards a war with Iran, and the rest of her family is still there. Oh, it, it's pushing there. It, it's pushing there. Well, um, the King of Jordan was talking. Netanyahu on, uh, would love to. The, the King of Jordan was talking, and the, he said that the the red line are the Palestinian people. And I'm thinking this so called holy war they've been bullshitting about. It's going to be all the Arabs for some, coming back for some payback. It's been 75 years coming. And I don't think the West can basically supply another batch of billions of dollars without Americans saying, what the fuck is going on? More money to Israel and we're not getting shit? And the, all the Arabs are lining up? I mean, you should probably do a segment, Sabrina, on this where you could just map up all these like Arab countries versus Israel. If Israel can take the funding, just like everyone's pumping money into Ukraine... To fight Russia and Ukraine is just getting fucking decimated. All what Arabic countries? Because the U.S. backs some Arabic countries. That's the thing. Well, the ones that said they're against the whole Palestinian killing thing. Because the King of Jordan said that that's a red line for them. They might have to put boots on the ground. Iran and Syria. And, uh, well, although Iran's not technically an uh, Arab country, but they're definitely, and they do back Hezbollah. Um, yeah, plus, yeah. Plus, there's that one Arab country that uh, they stole uh, the Palestinian, not Palestinians, the Israelis stole land from them that they call it the Golan Heights. Yeah, was, yeah. Okay, so so they stole that part. I think they stole other parts from maybe Lebanon or maybe Syria or some shit like that. But they're they're gonna want some payback for for, for Israel. They're gonna want some payback. It's been seventy five years coming. Yeah. So one thing I will say is that. Um, from what my friend told me about Iran, she said Iran is very strict. Like she said, I didn't know this, but she said like it's illegal to date in Iran. In Iran, did you guys know that? Like it's oh, they're very conservative. Date? Yeah, they're very conservative. But then, if you can't date, then how do you? 
Uh, who knows? <laughs> Artificial insemination? Dating? You wait until you're married no. to, to like yeah. Yeah. date. Arrange marriages. So, oh, like, arrange marriages. marriages. The parents yeah. will will decide who you're uh, who you're who you're with, and that's that. You I thought that shit was over. Before, All I know no. is when I worked in higher ed, it was very difficult to get students from Iran to even just get the visa to get here in time. Because I noticed this weird shit going on, Sabrina, where nobody can, if you're not white or white adjacent, you are not walking into any of these white countries. They're not letting you in. But if you're black or brown, you got to wait a 10, 15 waiting lists until they let you in. But if you're white, you can come in just in and out. But some people from Iran look white. Yeah, but well, yeah, but then, then well, yeah, then factors the religion part. If then you're Arab, know. that's there that's a go. problem. Well, nationality too, yeah, Arab, but, but Iranian nationality specifically. Um, let's bring in Brady, and then um, I gotta head out in a second. What's up, Brady? Just gotta um unmute. Yeah, you're um a speaker. Just gotta unmute. Going once, going twice, going three uh, times. Hello, me. Sorry. <laughs> yep. Me. I just wanted to uh, see if Case was still down there and say, hey, man, I got tickets for the mutual aid party that I can make and knock out right now. And we got a meeting with the guy from democracyforum.org. And I want you to check that guy out. And if you want to hang out with us, we'll be here next Thursday on call in, having a little meeting and whatever. And uh, I'll post it up on the calendar. So if anyone's interested in joining us, can do that. And earlier, I just wanted to say that, you know, I feel like whatever we whatever happens to Palestine um, is almost uh, inevitable that it'll end up happening to us eventually, too. So we really need to figure out a, a solution for these guys like it is us out there, you know, because um, after them, you know, that same power structure will kind of leak into our lives the way we see the Israeli uh, government training our police right now and stuff like that. So. Just a, a fair warning that we really got to take it seriously. And um, I had one other point I was going to bring up. I totally forgot it. But I just wanted to say that, yeah, I have uh, lots of mutual aid needs. And um, the Democracy Forum guy has a kind of a skeleton of a website put together. And I think uh, you guys could work together really well. So I just wanted to introduce you guys to each other. Cool. Thank you so much, Brady. Okay. Um, anything else, Marco? Oh, I just wanted to point out that before the U.S. installed the Shah with a coup in Iran, it was considered a very progressive place. Uh, in the 60s at the time, um, miniskirts were a common fashion. So, you know, U.S. imperialism fucks everything up for everybody. Truth. Mm. Okay. Um, anything else, Noel? I just wanted to encourage everybody to hold space for peace so that we can, you know, build out whatever is to come um, for whatever is to come. And on that note, and I also say good morning. All right, guys, thank you so much for hanging out with me tonight. And I'm going to go ahead and head out. And um, again, you guys know I don't stream on Wednesdays. so. Um, I'm recording an uh, interview with Glenn Greenwald tomorrow. You're here really first. You. 
And then um, you should be able to see that interview on Thursday afternoon. I'll upload it as a premiere. But other than that, cool. Peace out, guys. See you at the peace, peace. room.